their stalker were and what got the stalking laws in Texas changed to where now if you notice the same person following you twice, you can actually get a restraining order against them. So at the time, since I seemed to, we couldn't get any help from law enforcement, decided to basically write the story of my first book, um, A New Breed, uh, Satellite Terrorism in America, um, basically to expose that it's going on. Well, unbeknownst to me, once I did a couple of radio shows introducing the book, was bombarded with thousands and thousands of emails of people describing the exact type of stalking in other cities. So in terms of your experience, you said these guys are former FBI agents, uh, but there was no government control apparatus that you noticed that seemed to be simply former government agents who were utilizing instruments and power that had been allocated to them from their previous job. Well, I mean, I, I think they're still holding clearances because you, you know, you this isn't technology that you and I can can Google and and get a passcode and be able to access. Mm. You know, you have to have a clearance to do this. And I think after some of the initial mind control studies uh, through MK Ultra and other um, programs, you know, we had the Rockefeller Commission, we had the church committee hearings, you know, they kind of got their hands slapped. So I think they've kind of moved it into the private sector, basically using subcontractors. As you know, there's there's more people with clearances now outside government than there are inside. Precisely. The privatization of power has been tremendous. Now you say, you mentioned certain surveillance instruments that they had to utilize uh, government clearances to access what type, because you mentioned Rehypnol and you know, basic gang stockings, but what t- technologies were they using? The, te- the technology that appears that they're using is a, a form of technology called remote neural monitoring. Um, and if you look back in the 70s, they worked on this early in the 70s as a way to monitor pilots, where you shoot two dissimilar frequencies into the brain. Each hemisphere will entrain a different frequency. When those two hemispheres with two different frequencies compete, they spit out an interference frequency. And it was found that you could actually decode the EEG out of that interference frequency. The intended, at least the alleged intended use was to monitor pilots for hallucinations and delusions and, uh, and sleepiness. That way you could buzz them you know, to wake them back up when they're flying these 48-hour sorties during wartime. Well, once they figured out that you could actually entrain that EEG and cause changes in mindfulness, changes in attitude, changes in emotion, it began being used to uh, on those parameters. Um, Kind of one of the earliest forms we saw that was actually the uh, woodpecker signal at the embassy in Moscow, where they noticed that every time Nixon went there, you'd have emotional disturbances, emotional breakdowns. And they figured out that certain elf wave signals specifically can entrain into the brain. And one way to think of it is having a, a EEG catalog of different EEG waveforms that correspond to um, you know, emotional states of depression or anger. You know, and once you entrain the brain with that EEG, then that person will demonstrate that state of emotion. So you're saying they can not only monitor the emotional state, but actually program the emotional state for the person exactly. remotely. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and along with that also comes the ability to communicate because it was actually found that using microwave energy and using elf wave technology that you could actually communicate with someone in a pseudo telepathic kind of way. There's two things that you'll hear from victims. And uh, we saw this with my ex-fiance that I wrote about that not only would she hear voices in her head, like many of the target individuals here, but she would hear voices in her surroundings that seem to be amplified by vibrations. And that's the most common thing you see with a lot of these targeted individuals. They'll describe that when I'm underneath a ceiling fan, I'll, I'll hear voices in the ceiling fan or voice patterning. <clears throat> One of the first things we noticed is in aquarium pumps, 
running water actually has a strong vibratory source to amplify you know, incoming transmissions. And you could hear voice patterning and then over time with enough concentration actually hear the communication. Oddly, this seems to be person specific. So even though the person sitting right next to you may actually hear these voices and hear these communications, you may not sitting right next to them. It, it uh, still seems to be magnitude and frequency specific to the individual. Right, right. Obviously, we are basically water and various molecules that are vibrating at certain frequencies. So the, the idea is that they can figure out sort of your basic frequency, operating frequency for your brain. And they it's can, specific to they you. can get specific to targeting you. Yeah. And my question then would be why your fiance? Because it would seem it would be costly for these ex-FBI uh, guys to basically just be harassing her and monitoring her just for sexual purposes, no? Yeah, and I think the, that's a common question, you know, and that's what every targeted individual hears eventually. Why you? Mm-hmm. Um, I think at its root, it's non-consensual experimentation. Mm-hmm. I think that's why you're seeing it so widespread. Um, as you know, they'll tend to pick common folks uh, to do this kind of work on. If you look at MK Ultra and any of the other mind control experimentations, they they didn't pick people who were had political clout or who had financial clout. They picked the common people who have no way to fight back and don't have the contacts in order to stop it. So I think the best way to explain it is there are individual groups in every major city that have access to the technology. I think they're allowed carte blanche to use it however they want to use it, as long as the data gets back to the agencies that are responsible for actually giving the release. Mm-hmm. So the idea would be that this is basic. There's a long history of abuse by the U.S. government whether it's the FBI and surveillance and monitoring of, of targeted populations and individuals, right? Oh, without and question. counterintelligence programs to basically discredit people more from political perspectives to the CIA uh, and NSA doing various types of monitoring and intelligence gathering. But you're saying beyond that, there's also a history of actual experimentation by the government on the population, correct? Oh, yeah. With the, the U.S. government has experimented on the problem. There's no laws against the government experimenting on John Glenn tried to pass legislation through Congress that was shot down. <clears throat> Most people will focus on the Nuremberg Code or the Helsinki Accord and say, well, these are the safeguards against the, uh, a tyrannical government experimenting on the public. Those are suggestions. Those aren't American law, They're not United States legislation. So the bottom line is there, there are no safeguards. Uh, as a matter of fact, we had the Bioethics Commissions that were held uh, six different meetings after they found out that um, Nicaraguans were experimented on with weaponized uh, syphilis bacteria and gonorrhea bacteria. And the purpose of the Bioethics Commission was to determine if any non-consensual experimentation was still ongoing, sponsored by the United States, either here or abroad. Well, I spoke at one of these meetings and they had a public forum in each one. Each public forum had over a thousand people and all of them were voicing complaints of mind control technology and directed energy attacks. Uh, At the end of the day, they basically said that there was no evidence um, of any ongoing non-consensual experimentation. You know, despite having those kind of numbers showing up, complaining of just that. What are the numbers you've seen as far as people across across America uh, seem to be targeted and are are not just coming out of a mental hospital or have a history of mental health, but genuinely having issues of being targeted as far as, you know, whether it's private or private companies or potentially government behind it? What do the numbers look like? Based on um, survey, uh, surveys that we've done through Freedom from uh, Freedom of Surveillance and uh, Harassment and other human rights groups, it looks to be about anywhere from 200 to 300,000 people in the United States. 
No, that's just in the United States. I get emails from people globally and messages to the office you know, from people globally every day. So mm -hmm. this is a global problem. And I think every industrialized nation probably has worked on this technology or derived it from us um, yeah. to work on their own programs. And there's obviously this precedent, there's historical precedent. We talked, you mentioned MKUltra and obviously Army Tuskegee experiments on, on black people, you know, ingesting the syphilis, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, so what is what is it that, uh, I mean, what would, the, what would be your main uh, go-to arguments historically for the main precedent that people could say, oh, this doesn't happen. Well, look at these cases, what are the main ones? Well, and that's the argument I lay out in, the, in my latest book, Guinea Pigs. The first few chapters are based uh, on non-consensual experimentation in the country. Um, we've long experimented on, you know, children in homes for the mentally ill, some of the earliest forms, at least this technology, were actually on prisoners in Utah State Prison, uh, where we had five prisoners that talked about actually having voices placed in their head. They were placed in a, a room by themselves where they described that the electromagnetic energy in the room was so heavy that they had a hard time getting off their cots. One particular prisoner said that it was very evident that the voices he was hearing in his head were responding appropriately to his thoughts. This was in the 70s and, and early 80s. Um, and then you mentioned MKUltra. That all came out in Freedom of Information. Those are 189 sub-projects, all geared at trying to figure out how to remotely control a human being. Uh, and it was complete research. It was research based on childhood behavior all the way up through brain implantation that Delgado did. Mm -hmm. So they didn't really miss any facet of, of experimenting on or researching on what makes a human tick and how well you can control a human. And we don't even know most of the MKUltra uh, work because most of it was shredded, I believe. Only most most of it was shredded. Yeah, what we what we did get were the financial records. That's what they were. They were they were housed in a different building and they avoided being shredded. So we did get to see what front companies were created and what universities were taking part in what looked like legitimate research at the time. Mm -hmm. Interesting thing is now we have the new brain initiative where they're going to finish mapping the brain allegedly. And a lot of that research is being done at McGill University in Canada, which McGill University was one of the big players with MKUltra. So I don't think that's any coincidence either. Absolutely. So Snowden came out with this, these disclosures a few years ago saying, well, the NSA is using private, is accessing private companies' uh, data on people, right? Whether it be emails or phone companies and whatnot, and collecting and surveilling you that way. And they can also access your computer and turn your camera on. I mean, very basic common sense things for anyone who understood how the intelligence community works. And this was basically a big surprise. But this seems to be the tip of the iceberg because these guys are far beyond just surveilling us. It seems to be there at the place of being able to surveil and actually try to mind control and manipulate us. Snowden did us a big favor uh, by releasing that. Yeah, he, uh, it was stuff that I think is graspable for the normal population that maybe you know, isn't too, you know, too educated on, on exotic technologies. But certainly what he did really showed what uh, targeted individuals have been saying all along. You know, you could, you know, sit at a computer and look at your emails and see that, you know, somebody's reading and erasing your emails as you're looking at them. Mm -hmm. uh, we found out about the interdiction program uh, through him, essentially where our computers and our phones are interdicted by the NSA and pre-installed uh, with software and chips that allow them to be monitored. Um, even if you look at some of the relationships that um, the providers like Google and AT&T have formed with the NSA that they're basically, you know, giving them inroads into the technology. And even though I've spoken mostly about satellite directed energy weapons and things like that, 
it's growing. There's growing knowledge that a lot of this is being done through our cell phones too. I don't think it's a mystery that the government wanted to make sure that uh, the population was actually, you know, allowed or or given smartphones if they didn't already have them. Because the technology that's in the smartphone now is there's a lot of ways to monitor you through the phone and track you through the phone um, as well too. Certainly, GPS on your phone. I mean, and most of the apps ask for your GPS. So it would seem actually the private corporations um, could be utilizing as much of the uh, basically the techniques for surveillance and uh, social control as the government because the corporations want to, want to use it for marketing purposes and for sales and profit purposes. Well, even more than GPS, they have uh, systems now that can actually monitor you on a Wi-Fi grid, you know, and that's through your phone. As long as you're, even if your phone is not, you know, connected to where you're looking for a Wi-Fi signal, it still will send push notifications to your phone and can monitor your whereabouts based on an existing Wi-Fi grid. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called Wi-Fi tracking and it's very popular right now, especially in stores, because that way, as you walk down the aisles, they know what aisle you're on and they know what ad to push to you to make you interested in buying whatever product may be that on that aisle. The other big one through cell phone technology now is called Bluetooth low energy beacons. Uh, and that's where they actually constantly manipulate your Bluetooth signal to be able to track you spatially. So, But it seems that people, part of the reason I, I feel that the uh, millennials didn't really respond that much to Snowden's revelations is because we've already surrendered our right to privacy. That's very much the basis of the various apps like the Instagrams and Snapchats and um, the whole nature of social media. I mean, it goes back to the creation of Facebook where some people, some people suggested the CIA may have been involved because the CIA was asking at that point for a way people to basically uh, put their, you know, their, their social political beliefs in a, in a basic hub and locate themselves. And that's what Facebook does, right? So do you see it as that basically we've, we've surrendered to this complete control apparatus? Uh, certainly, probably anybody under the age of 40, uh, or most under the age of 40. Uh, you're right. I think uh, um, Facebook uh, specifically was, was started with money from MQTEL which is a venture capital firm for the CIA. I think it was a data mining tool from the beginning. And how perfect is it? You know, they don't have to research you or do any, any high profile counter surveillance or surveillance. You're giving them all the information they know. Um, the interesting thing is on, on your comment about the younger generation already kind of giving up is I do lectures on right to privacy. One of the first things I tell people, don't put all your information about your whereabouts and what you're doing on Facebook and, and online. And the most typical answer I get from a younger population is, what's it matter? The government knows everything already. They, you're right. They've already essentially given up. Mm -hmm. But beyond being surveilled, which is you know one thing, obviously, okay, we're, we're, in, a, we're in a country with, with this technology that makes it much easier to know, to communicate, to know each other's whereabouts. There is that, okay, there's some level of knowledge, but then there's a difference, which is the actual abuse of it and the actual use of, you know, of these mind control technologies and whatnot. And I want to ask, what does satellite terrorism mean? Because you talk about this idea of satellite terrorism and using uh, energy weapons against us, the population. So what, you know, how does that play a role in what these corporations and the government are trying to do essentially control the population? Well, I think we call it that, or the, the title of the book was uh, listed as that is because I think anytime you're being attacked by something uh, and there's absolutely no reason for it. Now, I guess, you know, a, an account can be made for if you were a whistleblower, you know, in your own 
you know, agency comes after you or something. But most of the people I deal with are common people. They're, you know, doctors, lawyers, janitors, teachers, you know, they're, they're, they're from the common ranks. They're not radical political opponents of the government. They're not out trying to overthrow the government. Most of the people I've dealt with don't even vote, um, yet they're being experimented on. So I think the reason we chose the term terrorism because they're having pain inflicted on them and actually uh, having people try to manipulate their belief systems through surveillance and attack against their will, which by definition, you know, is is terrorism and it's being done by our government on its own people. Mm -hmm. So that was the reason for the title of the book, you know, my first book, um, because I don't think anyone would recognize this as, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing this for the greater good, for the, the surveillance state or, or for security. I mean, these people are being tortured. If you uh, talk to any, any amount of them, they're um, sitting at home, they lose their jobs. When they do try to, you know, confide in their physicians or usually sent to a psychiatrist, they'll bring in all their research and where there's obviously three or four different technological ways to put voices in somebody's head, mm -hmm. but all the psychiatrist hears is you're hearing voices. Right. You know, and, and we've been all trained to understand that if you're hearing voices, you're mentally ill. They never asked what the voices are saying yeah. because these people aren't describing God talking to them or angels talking to them. They're describing somebody letting them know that they know their whereabouts spatially. Mm. Typically what they say, the voices say is, okay, we, you're, you're walking down the hallway, you're going into the store, you know, you're getting in your car. It's, they make it very obvious to the target that they're being surveilled. Mm -hmm. um, but the psychiatrist won't hear that. You know, the psychiatrist, they focus on your hearing voices. Right. Let's rope you into a monthly visit and put you on some drugs. So beyond the issue of mass control of the population and using these terrorism techniques for experimentation, I wonder when I see some of these mass shooters, I think of the Sarnia brothers or uh, James Holmes, Adam Lanza, um, and how checked out they look when I see their pictures, right? These kids look completely vacant, their eyes are vacant. And given the history of MKUltra and given the way that we know government can, and, and these private corporations in conjunction with government can uh, basically project voices and terrorize and target people, do you think it's possible that some of these uh, mass shooters or terrorists have been mind control? Oh, I don't think it's possible. I think it's happened. Uh, as a matter of fact, two of them I can I can point to you. Aaron Alexis, um, the Navy art shooter, he had been in contact with Freedom for Information several times, uh, had complained about the voices in his head, had complained about being stalked and being followed. Uh, his biggest complaint was the sleep deprivation they were causing on him. Uh, as you remember, when he went on a shooting rampage, he carved, this is my ELF weapon on the side of his shotgun. The FBI and their release said it was a cryptic message that they didn't understand that why he put that on the end of his shotgun or the side of his shotgun. When in reality, that wasn't, probably wasn't a crazy guy going amok at the Navy or that was a vengeance shooting. Uh, he had a clearance. He worked um, loosely near the technology uh, with IT. Um, he thought that some of the research was being done at the Navy Yard and that was a vengeance shooting. ELF meaning like extremely low frequency. Extremely low frequency waves, yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of research has been done in extremely low frequency waves and their ability to interact with the nervous system. Mm -hmm. um, another shooter, Myron May, Florida, this was a man educated. Las Cruces, New Mexico. Had to move to Florida to start a new practice there. Uh, and then went and uh, started a, a shooting at the University of Florida. Well, before he went and did the shooting, he actually had sent out uh, USB uh, sticks to several different people with sort of his manifesto and his reason for doing it. 
albeit I don't agree with the reasoning. His reasoning was that he had to do something really horrible to garner media attention to the problem. I think it's the wrong attention, and certainly we, you know, try to dissuade anyone from doing anything violent. Um, but that was his take, that he had been controlled long enough, he wasn't going to be controlled any longer, and that the only way the media would cover mind control was to, to do something really deplorable. So is it possible that there is a control apparatus within the government that utilize that? As you mentioned, you know that these, these, these uh, private contractors are implementing a lot of the actual harassment, but there could be some branch, whether it's deep within CIA or NSA, that's actually um, monitoring and saying, okay, this is a perfect patsy. We're going to deploy this person as our, you know, as, as our lone gunman, right, our, our mass shooter, whether or not the person actually does the shooting or is just blamed for it based on, how do you say, based on basically culling the archive of who they already have available. They basically amass this population. If they're targeting, harassing, and then they can, you know, with some, some, some apparatus where the government can basically choose and say, okay, we need to do an operation. This is the person we're going we're gonna to use as our, as our fall guy for it. Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's always been that apparatus in place. You have to remember the initial studies with this were completely designed to, to uh, create Manchurian candidates, mm -hmm. people they could send out on missions and then revert them back to their normal personality state after they had done something in an altered personality state. Well, the two parts of your brain that control those don't recognize each other and don't know each other. Right. So, you know, if I were to control you to go do a bombing and then bring you back in and as your own personality, and ask you about it, you'll defend to the death that you haven't done it. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, I think a, a lot of the targeting that we're seeing now probably is actually having a selection of people that can be used in that manner. And that's a scary thought. Absolutely. That, that's a ticking time bomb, as a matter of fact. Well, absolutely it is. Given the information that you come across and the people that are being harassed, I mean, what are techniques you tell them to actually deal with the harassment and how to survive this type of terrorism because frankly if you are being targeted and you're hearing voices and um, you know you're being kept from sleep and all types of techniques are being used to stabilize your life you know how do you deal with that one of the things I tell people firstly is not to not try to convince people that don't believe you of what's going on this is so exotic it is so creepy and so scary that even people who may kind of believe you really don't want to know this exists. It's one of those things that's kind of swept under the rug. Even though it's the most complained about crime on the internet today, um, there's nothing being done about it really, except for you know people like you that are helping expose it. Um, so one of the things, first things I tell people is, don't go off trying to convince your family or trying to convince coworkers that it's going on. If, if you mention it and they don't believe it or they question it, just let it go. There are human rights organizations that deal with this where you can vent to people who already understand you and know what's happening. Um, the more violent or the more aggressive you get in trying to convert people to believe you, the more crazy you look. And eventually that's gonna sit you in front of a psychiatrist who's also not gonna believe you. All they're gonna focus on is that you're hearing voices. They're gonna put you on medications that have side effects that still won't work. The targeting will still continue. Now, in the case of somebody who maybe really is suffering from mental illness, you know, schizophrenia, the drugs do work in schizophrenia. Most schizophrenics, as long as they take their medications, do get better. Yeah. Um, with targeting, the psychiatric meds don't help. And, and I've seen people who have been falsely diagnosed as schizophrenic, forced into medication treatment. Uh, and then you talk to them later and they go, yeah, I'm still hearing it. I'm still got people parking outside my house. I still got people following me. Um, and sometimes it is hard to discriminate. You know, as a physician, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you mental illness doesn't exist. We both know it does. 
But now we have technologies out there that are developed specifically to mimic those mental illnesses. So to just turnkey diagnose somebody as schizophrenic or delusional, when we know of at least three or four technologies that can put voices in your head, you know, we know COINTELPRO started gang stalking and, uh, and what I actually term organized stalking. Uh, it does exist. There's too many cases of it now that you know, I think it's time that uh, psychiatrists, psychologists take a second look. And my whole take on this and the reason for my activism in my books was been, has been that there's so many people complaining about this now that the complaints are identical, not similar, they're identical, that maybe it's time for another congressional hearing. You know, to get the subpoenas out there to see if this technology is being used on the public. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're asking the exact people that are doing it to us to help remedy it, and that's been the problem. Well, and it's even deeper problem is the fact that the police force and the local, you know, the local police force does nothing to protect people because that just shows, I guess, how in bed um, our system is essentially from the, the, the top down and its control apparatus all the way to the local and county levels of policing. And you know, one, one thing I will tell you that I was happy to see at uh, one of the local PDs in Texas, there was one lady called the police and she said, you know, my, my garage doors are opening and closing on their own. My computer's, you know, going off and on on its own. I'm hearing voices. It sounds like a buzz in the place. I, I think I'm being electronically harassed. And I was happy to hear this, even though there's nothing much the local police can really do to help you with that. They can certainly help with the stalking. And that's one of the things I do tell these victims make sure you report the stalking. There are stalking laws in just about every state. If you cannot mention the rest of the exotic stuff, they will help you deal with stalking. But this one officer did show up to this lady's house and he said, it sounds like what you're going through is electronic harassment. And honestly, I don't know how to help you. You know, so I think there are some officers that are being educated on it now. Maybe it's from seeing some of the shows like this or maybe reading books that are written on it. Yeah. You know, I don't think they're all endemically included in the harassment, harassment, I think there are good officers out there that still will try to come and help you, at least not 5150 or send you to a psychiatrist. And one of the steps that we made recently was out in Richmond, California, where we did meet with the city council out there. We you know, kind of pleaded the case that, you know, not everybody that complains of this is crazy. In California specifically, a lot of these people were getting 5150, which means forced entry into a mental hospital for evaluation. Um, the Richmond City Council did agree that to start a um, basically a checklist that the police could go through where if you're not a danger to yourself or voicing a danger to others, that they would instead of taking those people, they would refer them to, you know, organizations that can help them understand what's going through. And that's that's a huge step. Yeah. And it seems like the whole point is that books like yours, programs like this, discussing it, making people aware of the uh, targeting and the actual reality of the situation can hopefully enlighten people so that they don't um, sort of look askance or run away from someone who claims to be targeted. And I think the more people are aware of this, the more that we can actually force a shift and protect those who are being targeted. Yeah, and I, and I think it's working because uh, this is growing. Uh, it's not going away, it's not getting smaller. I get 10 to 20 messages at my office every morning and they're not medical. It's not people seeking me out for medical treatment, it's people seeking me out based for targeting. Every day, yeah. every day, my secretary comes back and it's a stack of at least 20. Uh, they need to talk to you about targeting. So it's growing. And it's to the point now where I think if you talk to just about anybody and you mention, you know, have you ever heard of this electronic harassment, electronic targeting, organized stalking? Just about everybody will tell you, yeah, I have a cousin or I had a sister or, or I knew a guy that was talking about that. And, and a lot of times they'll say, we thought he was kind of nuts, but now there's so much about it online and so much being written about it. 
then it's got to be true, you know, and, and that's kind of what has been the goal all along. So absolutely raising awareness. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Hall. Thank you, Sean. And there you have it, folks. Some fascinating insights today from Dr. John Hall. We may not agree with or believe everything said here, but I urge you to check out his books, Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control, and A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. Remember, the road to truth is a perilous path along the buzzsaw's edge. I'm your host, Sean Stone. You are the revolution. Hello, good evening, my friend. My name is Francesca Valerio Invernizzi, and I am a target. This is the Hagman and Hagman Report for today. It is Wednesday, September 11th, 2013. Yes, the pause was deliberate, September 11th, 2013. I'm Doug Hagman, co-host along with my son, Joe Hagman. Together, we are the Hagman and Hagman Report. Folks, you're in for a great show tonight. And as they say on the airplanes, you know, make sure your seat backs and tray tables are in their full upright and locked position because we are going to hit some turbulence tonight without fail. Folks, you're listening to the only show where the news is presented to you. We bring you the news in three dimensions. We supply the 3D glasses that allow you to look well beyond the headlines and bylines, the fog, the white noise of the news, and bring you the news behind the news. For the new people who are listening, and we're growing exponentially, it seems like, on a daily basis. Thank you to every one of you for joining us, and thank you for your belief and trust in us as we take that responsibility very seriously tonight. I want to let you know that we're going to have a very special guest, uh, someone I've heard on Coast to Coast. I've read his book, A New Breed, 
satellite terrorism in America. I've got to tell you, it is a phenomenal read. This man is a medical doctor. Once again, he's a frequent guest on Coast to Coast AM. And uh, I guess I guess we should probably form some sort of alumnus, alumni uh, for Coast to Coast guests. But that said, um, he's going to be offering a lot of information. I thought of Jeff from Chelsea because I know that uh, Dr. Hall is big into gang stalking. For those of you who think that this individual is just merely a voice in my head or a made-up person, and I've been accused of that. Well, I can't do voices that well. But I mean, you don't have voices in your head. It just well, that's very, one of them. Very true. And, and coincidentally, or perhaps not, Dr. John Hall will be talking about voices in one's head. And, and you know, you know, going into this, uh, let me just say one thing about Dr. Hall first, and, and, and then we're going to get into some things. But uh, I've got to tell you, um, I have met individuals who victims who were victims of electronic harassment surveillance and uh, gang stalking going over some old files back in 19 uh, 1993 i found one in particular that was extremely heinous and looking back on it i did not recognize it for what it was but i could tell you this that's exactly what it was and we'll get into that more during the second third hours it's interesting some of the comments you you might read on different forums oh that's just crazy talk but uh, but is it really is it really or is it the fact that you just cannot accept what's going on folks you're listening to the hagman and Hag report on the other side dr john hall well-known author fellow guest on coast to coast am with george nori the author the author of a book called a new breed i gotta tell you it's a great book folks you gotta get your hands on it and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our second hour of the Hagman and Hagman Report on this Wednesday, September 11th, 2013, 12 years out from the 9-11-2001 attacks happening on New York and Washington. But we are going to have a, a guest on for the second and third hour. Go to his website. It is yeah. satweapons.com. Dr. John Hall, I got to tell you, I've heard him on Coast to Coast. I've, um, in fact, I've I listened to his last, one of a recent interview, I believe, with Zeph Daniel on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. Dr. John Hall, he's a medical doctor in San Antonio. I wonder if his ears were burning when we were talking about the city council there. Um, of course, that's in Texas. He's the author of A New Breed Satellite Terrorism in America. He's a board-certified diplomat of the American Board of Anesthesiology and a member of the American Academy of Pain Medicine. He's also an active member of the Mind Science Foundation, and that's dedicated to the study of human consciousness. He sits on the medical committee of the Human Rights Organization, Freedom from Covert Harassment and Surveillance. Now, as a surveillance specialist for the last couple of decades, I can tell you that uh, I know the backside of that, and hopefully we'll, we're going to learn about the front side of that. You know, on Coast to Coast, uh, Dr. Hall has talked about his work with the victims of electronic harassment, stalking, and mind control. Believe it or not, yes, there are victims like that out there, and how this CIA NSA technology is being used to track and intimidate people. I can pretty much verify that as well. Folks, I want to welcome Dr. We want to welcome Dr. John Hall to the program. Once again, his website is satweapons.com. That's satweapons.com. Dr. Hall, welcome. 
Doug, Joe, how are you guys tonight? Very well, sir. Doctor, I'll tell you what. I know you've been on coast to coast. I know you. You know you've spent time with George Norris. I have. Uh, tonight, uh, we're going to turn you loose. No holds barred. No holds barred. And uh, give us the give us the complete uh, story of what in the world is going on with gang stalking, with with with, with surveillance, electronic surveillance, this harassment. And I know, again, I've heard you talk, but I, I know that folks in our audience have, been, have many have not. And uh, we have a worldwide audience. So uh, where do you want to start? Well, I think uh, probably a good start for the, those of your listeners that haven't heard of this topic is kind of a brief description of what we're really talking about when we say a gang stalking, or actually I prefer the term organized stalking or electronic harassment. And that's essentially, um, there's a large group of individuals, and this is worldwide, it's not just here. Uh, I get emails every day from just about every country uh, on the planet. Um is essentially a group of people that have noticed themselves to be stalked by, you know, organized stalkers. This isn't loved ones. This isn't an, an ex-spouse or um, it may be private investigators. And I know the United States usually is private investigators that are uh, <laughs> accessing some technology that um, they've been allowed to access that is CIA, NSA-based technology. It's electromagnetic weaponry. Um, that allows for you to be tracked by your brain waves or your EEG and allows for your EEG to be manipulated. And most of these people will um, notice the stalking first, uh, then notice tinnitus or ringing in the ears. And slowly the ringing in the ears degrades down to hearing the voices um, of the people that are actually surveilling you, um, typically harassing you, describing your whereabouts in a building or what your plans are, what you're doing, what you're wearing. Um, um, that combined with directed energy attack, which would be burning of the skin, burning of the eyes, burning of the genitals, involuntary body motion, uh, heart speeding up and down, um, some severe reflux or, or um, uh, heartburn that uh, comes and goes um, without treatment, whether you treat it or not, uh, headaches, blurred vision, um, all of it geared to basically mimic delusional disorder or schizophrenia. Uh, and it seems like the goal in most of these victims is to have them discredited. And oftentimes they'll plant people around the victim in their neighborhood or in their occupation um, to verbally discredit them, you know, spread rumors, you know, put uh, plant seeds that they're a drug dealer, they're a pedophile. It, the tip um, discreditation campaign that you um, see in the DOD, in the military. Right. And are we not talking motive-wise, uh, marginalization of one's views, for example, or uh, uh, yeah, vilify, nullify? Uh, it's okay. So, so there's a purpose behind this. And, and uh, who are the victims? I mean, I mean, a typical victim. Who would that be? Uh, nobody, essentially. Um, you know, we've done some surveys of the victims to a, a large extent. So we can, uh, we do have some demographics, and, you know, 70% of the victims um, are, are female, usually 35 to 50. Um, most of them have also complained of sexual assault, physical sexual assault, as well as electronic sexual assault along with it. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem to... Um, 
this seems to be equal um, among, you know, Christian, uh, non-Christian, you know, black, white, racial lines. Um, so basically, though, from the way it looks to most of us that are studying this uh, scientifically, um, as if each perpetrator group in each major city that's been allowed access to this technology can use it carte blanche however they want to use it but if you compile all the numbers together for the appropriate agency that's probably monitoring how this works uh, it ends up a random sample at the top so are, are we seeing somewhat of a um, oh I don't know maybe a uh, random testing of, of, of this technology uh, essentially, yeah. Okay. Yeah, essentially, that's what we're seeing now. You know, I do have, you know, I have, have seen a number of whistleblowers, and I've had people come to visit me and talk to me in San Antonio that are former NSA, that are former CIA, that are former reconnaissance office, um, that are whistleblowers um, that have certainly um, been victimized. Uh, and that's a pretty easy one. You know, when you hear their story and you hear, you know, what they blew the whistle on and now they're being victimized, at least you've got a reason. That's not the majority of the victims. The majority of the victims are professional people. The, the demographics that we've studied, most of these people have at least a high school degree. Most of them are college educated. A lot of them are professionals, doctors, lawyers, um, professional people. And they can pinpoint the date when they noticed the stalking and they can pinpoint the date when they um, began to hear voices and experience directed energy attacks. So this isn't the classic case of a schizophrenic or someone with severe delusional disorder that, you know, when you get their history that, you know, they've kind of always not been quite right. You know, schizophrenia especially is, is overdiagnosed in this population. Schizophrenia in a male shows up at about 16 to 18 and a female can be a little bit later, but is usually at its peak um, by 20 or 21. You know, these are people that you know, were successful, had professional lives, were making money, had families, you know, were functioning well with no uh, history of mental illness that all of a sudden at the age of 40 uh, are hearing voices and, you know, being attacked. And, and most of them have good evidence of the stalking part of it. Pictures, photos. Interesting. Interesting. It brings me to mind uh, that story with Vince Foster back in the uh, 1990s where that Patrick Knowlton, who found the body in that, uh, of, of Vince Foster and, and had described what he saw, which was inconsistent with what was revealed ultimately. And, and he was menaced by a group of individuals subsequent to his uh, going public. And I, I remember it in real time listening to Gordon Liddy when Gordon Liddy had a talk show. And uh, went to him, I believe, I believe it was Nolten that went to him. And uh, Chris Ruddy, who wrote the book, The Strange Death of Vince Foster, had spent time with Nolten because he didn't believe him. He didn't believe that, that uh, he was being menaced in this fashion. And what you're describing actually took place, you know, at that time. So uh, to a lesser extent, I don't, I don't know about the mind or the electronic aspect of it, but certainly the menacing, physical menacing of, of this individual did. Um, so it's it's been around for a while, hasn't it? 
Well, the organized stalking part has been around since COINTELPRO. You know, the FBI did that, um, you know, in the 60s to, you know, political groups that they found undesirable, um, you know, would, you know, leave notes or leave letters to a husband that appeared to be written by the wife and, you know, to to put stress in a relationship, um, you know, shut down bank accounts, you know, take money out of accounts, things like that, and basically to turn a group inward against each other. And, you know, that certainly is what the, the organized stalking part of it does. And we see that all the time with um, cell phone spoofing in these victims. Um, almost always, it's a, a lot of times a married couple, and one will be victimized, and one is either non-victimized or, at worst, controlled. And um, the difference being that, you know, if I put voices in your head that sound like me, or, or a female voice, well, you know you're being harassed. If I put voices in your head that sound like your voice, um, you know, everybody, uh, if you break down a thought process, you know, when, you, when you're reading a book, you're actually hearing your own voice in your head as you read. And if I put your voice in your head, then that becomes a thought. And a lot of people will act on that thought. And that's essentially how subliminal control works that way. I, I can verify this. And, and this is something that uh, I'm not necessarily proud of. Uh, Joe and I can, uh, we, we've had occasion in the past being uh, investigators you know, in the private sector by profession uh, for, well, myself for over two and a half decades. In, you know, uh, cell phone spoofing, uh, we've done that. <laughs> I can tell you we've done that. And it, it, it works for, beautifully. <laughs> it, it's, it's an amazing, yes, yes, and, and it's not something I'm proud of. And when we did it, it was done for a specific purpose. It, it was limited to, well, I won't even get into it, but the fact is it's easy to do. It doesn't, I mean, it's not that difficult to do. But what you're saying here is, is there's this, uh, I believe you're saying that there's this huge uh, operation. I mean, MKUltra, you mentioned, we really haven't. MKUltra is, is still going on, isn't it? Uh, well, MKUltra started right after the Korean War and was the, uh, you know, several, uh, so a couple of, almost a couple of hundred sub-projects of all geared at con- remotely controlling the human organism. Uh, and it went from as, as benign studies as just studying children's um, behavior patterns on playgrounds by visually um, surveilling them, all the way to Jose Delgado's um, stymo receiver and chipping the brain and trying to control people by stimulating certain parts of the brain. And, you know, I will tell you this is... Um, Jose Delgado, uh, I think in the 80s, uh, had a, um, did an interview, and he actually was implanting brains to do his control. You know, and as you probably know, he wrote a book uh, called um, Electromagnetics to um, Develop a psycho, uh, Psycho-Civilized Society. You know, he's a firm believer that, um, that man should not be allowed to uh, govern himself. That I mean, if we could chip all of us at birth, that would be the thing to do, and then have an elite at the top that can control the masses. He was a mm. firm believer in that. And in the 80s, he actually came forth and said that, you know what, you know, we've got the technology now where we no longer have to chip someone to do this kind of control, that it can be done by broadcasted frequency. And that was late 70s, early 80s. And amazingly enough, some of the earliest, at least earliest legitimate complaints that can be verified of people suffering from this were five or six prisoners from the Utah State Prison who in um, 85 to 90 
came forward, uh, wrote um, legal affidavits saying that they were put in solitary confinement where they noticed such a strong electromagnetic field in the room that a lot of them could not even get out of bed or get off the floor. They would try to stand and they couldn't. They all noticed tinnitus ringing in their ears and the tinnitus slowly degraded to hearing voices. And as, of course, these guys you know, weren't exactly rocket scientists. They didn't know how to explain it. But they did notice that the voices that they were hearing seemed to be responding to their thoughts. That if they would think something bad, they would get zapped. Uh, if they would think whatever the voices were telling them to think, then they would be left alone for a little while and given a break from the torture. And this wasn't just one prisoner. This was five that um, written, uh, wrote affidavits and also uh, talked about other prisoners who had experienced the same thing. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, how do you want to start with this? Uh, this is, to, to me, this is such a vast topic i mean we, we can go into so many different directions and, and end up in a lot of different rabbit holes um, yeah i mean to what's used to to pull these different um tactics off on people you know we have arranged for smart meters you talked about satellites we know the the towers that they've put up uh how it's done through magnetics through frequencies um if we can get into that a little bit i guess the Give us sure. your basic breakdown well, of you've experienced in well, research. And, and to start, I'll just give you a, a brief history of how I got involved with this because I'm an anesthesiologist and a pain management physician. So, um, trust me, I, I never in a million years would have dreamed that I was going to be the spearhead against this type of technology. Uh, it, it, you know, kind of was forced on me. Um, mm -hmm. I uh, um, knew a girl here in San Antonio that came to me and um, knew her well. I knew there was no drug issues, no mental health issues, um, was hearing voices and being stalked. And as soon as she told me about the hearing voices part, I already knew a little bit about this technology uh, and thought, you know, well, you know, most physicians are going to diagnose you as crazy and put you on a bunch of meds, but give you the benefit of the doubt and, and let's see. So um, did some counter surveillance uh, myself and we um, bugged her condo with audio devices. Uh, she didn't want cameras and there and I understand, you know, young, young woman. So we used audio, uh, digital voice activated audio, um, had people watching her. You know, I took part in some of the counter surveillance myself and the people counter surveilling her began getting followed. Um, and this is very obvious to, for those who don't know the layout of San Antonio, this was in downtown San Antonio. I live on the outskirts way out in the country in a rural setting in North of San Antonio. And on a weeknight at midnight, when you see the same three cars that you saw in the parking lot of the condominium complex following you 20 miles North to your driveway, it, it's pretty obvious. You know, at that point, that's not surveillance. That's, that's direct harassment. So we wrote the plate number down, ran the plates. The plates all came back to a um, private investigative agency ran by a former FBI agent who hired nothing but his family members. Um, here in Texas, as a PI, you're licensed by the Department of Public Safety, which is our highway patrol, and you can get a list of employees. So check the, check the list. Um, in the audio uh, surveillance part, she did have people um, breaking in. Uh, they were putting Rohypnol, a date rape drug, in her food and bottled water and subliminally controlling her to drink where they put the drug. 
once she was drugged, um, people would break in, uh, and they were essentially using her for sex slavery. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how tender the years are in this uh, your audience, but was being used as a sex slave and was often being gang raped while she was in a drug state. Um, wow. And some of, some of the audio equipment actually could pick up the digital transmissions or the elf wave transmissions coming in when if she was a little too with it you would hear on a whole different frequency uh come into the recorder saying you need to drink more of the bottled water um and they would uh at least in one of the recordings that was turned over to the police she's screaming and yelling at these people and they're digging through cabinets and looking under the refrigerator and under the stove looking for some of the recording devices and one of them they found and a female voice says i found it how do i shut it off uh, and a male voice says just hit some buttons and the it turns off um, but they didn't steal them because that's one thing with this type of stalking is there they may come in and move things around in your house take appliances apart uh, put all of your clothes and on the couch out of your bedroom move your sneakers around leave cigarettes burning burning but they won't steal anything because if you steal something you can get a burglary charge and the police will actually investigate that they won't investigate trespassing or break, just plain breaking and entering without theft well, we've had, yeah, I got to tell you this. We've had this one case that I'm very familiar with that, that I truly believe this person was a victim of what you're talking about. Um, we could not figure this out. And this is before we we had, uh, well, this is back in the in the mid-80s. Um, people would come in and, and rearrange ever so slightly the furniture. Um among other things, that was one thing. Uh, take things out, put things back into the refrigerator, uh, move things. It's, it's things that, that you look at it, and, and for that person to tell us, uh, my, my partner and I, it, it, this is being done. You look at the person like they've got two heads. They've lost their mind. You know? Well, and that's what law enforcement does, too. You know, when these people call the police, um, they say, well, somebody broke in. They they took, they took cut the pockets out of all my jeans. They took yeah. the buttons off three of my shirts, and they took my microwave apart and put it back together wrong. Well, yeah. you know, the first thing the police do is tell you to go see a psychiatrist. You know, they say, well, was anything taken? Well, no, nothing seems to be stolen. And the, the next step is you, you know, in California, you get, I think, what they call it a 5150. Uh, in Texas, they, you know, either take you themselves to uh, commit you for 24 hours or they recommend you to a psychiatrist. Wow. Okay. Well, I didn't mean to interrupt your, your cadence or uh, go ahead and continue with, with your, uh, with what you were saying there. Uh, uh, this this young girl being victimized like this. My goodness. Well, I was I was lucky that uh, one of the um, lieutenants on the sex crimes unit here in San Antonio is a friend and a patient. So I went to him uh, with the story, with the recordings, uh, let him hear that. Um, of course, he was amazed. I mean, he said, you know what, if anybody else came to me with this story, I would think they're crazy. But, you know, you've had my life in your hands. I've known you for a long time, and if you say this is happening, you know, we'll check it out. Well, the problem in her case was the rohypnol. At that time, the stalking laws in Texas were different. They have been enforced a little bit more here lately, but the only thing they could really try to go for was the sexual assault. There's no way to prove the, you know, the, the directed energy or the, the electromagnetic component. So 
they try to go for the rape part of it. And uh, unfortunately, as you know, Rohypnol and GHB, as referred to as the rape date rape, date rape drugs, um, completely annihilate your memory. So um, she did not have enough memory um, to bring a case toward these people. Um, and that's when I said, you know what, if, if nothing can be done about this, then I'm going to write this whole story in a book, uh, change the names so my publisher doesn't get in trouble, uh, and right. at least use this as an educational tool for other people that may be going through it. So, And that was the kind of the reasoning behind the book. And, and I just want to say this. It's my understanding that uh, you've concluded, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but I, I think for, as a basis for what we're talking about, I, I think that it, it's uh, from reading what I've read that you've concluded that there is some type of a, a power structure, uh, a shadow government behind this, behind these attacks and collectively, and, and they're mainly being perpetuated as this grand experiment uh, against the population to see how we can be controlled ultimately. Is that kind of a fair statement? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because if there was really not a whole lot, at least written, there are some written about this, but not a whole lot. And and that's why I wanted this through a legitimate publisher where people could get it at Barnes & Noble or Amazon uh, and at least use, you know, the initials behind my name is, you know, as credible as they, those may be, um, at least to get the book out there. And, um, um, that at least opens some doors. Luckily I have some friends in the CIA that were forthright with me and they verified that yes, we keep, there's the technology to do this. And it opens some doors to some other people, including a ton of victims. And um, by this time I've probably either visited with, spoken to, or corroborated with in by email with probably five or 6,000 victims of this technology. And one thing that's noticeable right off the bat is it's being done with a, um, a playbook. You know, there's a methodology to it. Um, while each victim might have a different circumstance as to why they think they were victimized, when you look at the victimization itself, uh, the modus operandi, I guess you could say, uh, it's being done the same in every instance. Uh, it starts with stalking. Um, it um, begins with ringing in the ears and tinnitus. Then you start hearing the voices and being attacked with directed energy. And then the stalking kind of backs off. Um, and then it seems to actually go on indefinitely. There's been a few cases where it's just kind of stopped in people, but most of the time um, they'll notice that it waxes and wanes. Uh, they may get left alone for a little while, and then all of a sudden uh, it'll appear back and they'll start to get attacked again. But the stalking does stop, and, and one of the theories behind that is that they're, the stalking is just – is part of a COINTEL program and certainly for the psychological warfare aspect of it. But the other thing is to GPS someone by vicinity. Um, as long as they're with you 24 seven and within range of GPS, that that allows your EEG to be um, basically cataloged and put into the system rather than have to drug that person and chip them. So, okay, so what you're saying is you're moving from um, a physical uh, physical type of, I'll use the word assault, to now an electronic, consistent electronic assault on the person. Is that right? Yeah. And, you know, like I said, when you're looking at the, the methodology of it, uh, it's got to be experimental. I mean, especially from... You know, from my strong suit, you know, medicine and research, you know, you look at this and I mean, it's 
in one city, the victims may be mostly female and it, it may be mostly sexual assault. In another one, it's being used for corporate espionage. Uh, in another, it's whistleblowers. There's a group in Palm Springs that's about 60 gay men that are all hearing the same voice of a, of a female voice named Lisa who talks to them while um, she uh, attacks them with directed energy weapons. Um, but when you take that whole mix nationally or globally and you mix it up, it's a random sample. Uh, even though each perpetrator group may be allowed to use it however they want, and that does seem to be the case. Um, they're, they're given this technology and said, you know, carte blanche, use it however you want to use it. Uh, the group here I know uh, owns... A real estate company has people working in a mortgage broking firm. Um, they seem to be financing themselves not only by hiring this type of surveillance out, but by creating ghost mortgages. So, wow. Um, yeah, because then it's sealed up from top to bottom as far as the mortgage industry. Um, people working in a major bank, um, Wells Fargo. Um, Initially was World Savings, got bought out by Wachovia, then Wells Fargo. Uh, several of the registered PIs working for this FBI agent are mortgage brokers there. Several of the PIs own a realty company. Um, and all of them are living in $600,000 homes, which in San Antonio is a pretty nice home. So, wow. As a PI, I, I, apparently I missed that uh uh, I missed the uh, notice on the bulletin board for uh, uh, operatives in that uh, in that type of work. Um, it, my goodness! Well, yeah, and now I want to just make it clear uh, too, uh, Doctor Hall, that, that you know that uh, uh, you've got the uh, the floor here in anything and everything, especially if you've never discussed or disclosed anything before or were, were prevented from, you know, or felt it wasn't the right venue, feel free to speak out on anything here because we're after the truth here. We're looking at the larger picture. We're looking at the, um, I mean, at the end game, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, this is huge. And so this has got to be run, operated, superintended by, at the very least, the Central Intelligence Agency. I mean, all that MKUltra stuff that involved all the universities and the millions of dollars changed over into whatever it is now, whatever incarnation it is now, uh, but but for a purpose um, and for or for the controlling of the population. But but. Um, what am I missing here? Because it seems like, okay, what's the next step or is there a next step? Well, I mean, I can tell you one of the more scary theories I've heard, and this is coming from Dr. Robert Duncan, who's also written on this subject and actually was a subcontractor in the research uh, field uh, with the CIA and worked on the program that we're talking about, worked on some of the technology. Um, in some of my conversations with him, um, you know, basically his feeling is that everyone uh, is already being controlled um, and that the victims that you're seeing are the people who can't be controlled. Therefore, they're being harassed uh, to be minimized uh, as delusional or schizophrenic so nobody else listens to them. Um, and that's a pretty scary thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Because um, that means our government officials are being controlled and everybody's um, being controlled. Um, certainly, I think the end game um, is conspiratorial as this sounds. And, and and I'll be the first to admit, I try to base everything I write about and everything I talk about on, on fact and certainly don't want to be uh, labeled a conspiracy theorist. But this can only be heading one direction. Um you know, guns and taxes won't control everyone. Um, there's always going to be the people like, you know, like me. You know, I live in a rural area. I've lived without electricity before. Uh, you know, like the song says, you know, I can I can skin a deer and I can run a trot line. Uh, I can pump water out of a well, you know. Um, you know I live in Texas. You know, I, most of us that live here are probably as equally armed as our um, National Guard. You know, short of having a helicopter, you know, most of us have just about everything else so you know you know coming on property and, and having another ruby ridge is going to be really messy with just about anybody here um taxes you know those are escapable you know i can you know well, there's a lot of us in rural areas that can plant a garden eat a deer pump our own water but electromagnetic technology controls everyone so you know especially mm. when it's either heart based or satellite based that that will be the mechanism of control and for those listeners that don't believe that putin came out with with from russia came out um with comments about a year ago where he said that uh whichever country uh had the best directed energy and electromagnetic weapons would control the globe without bullets or missiles and what I thought was amazing when he came out with that comment, none of our major media covered it, not one. As a matter of fact, not many of the conspiracy theory sites even covered it. The only person I got a call from was El Spectador uh, out of Colombia. Uh, they're the, the largest news agency um, in uh, Colombia and distribute um, um, by email and by paper, newspaper, to just about all of South America. Uh, I got a call from one of their reporters uh, who had looked me up on my website and said, you know what, I don't know if you heard this comment, but would you be willing to write a piece that we can use um, in our newspaper? Uh, so I basically wrote what I felt about the comments he made and you know my uh, experience with the technology and working with victims that are already being victimized by it. Uh, and that I know of, that's the only news agency that even covered that. Wow. Wow. Okay. And that's by design, I have to believe, as to by lack of interest or the topic being too edgy. I mean, this is, to me, by design. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. Uh, the major media here is definitely being controlled. Um, you know, right now, being pretty well controlled by the Democratic Party. Uh, if you look at, you know, you know how forgiving they've been to, you know, our, our current president. Um, but... Um, yeah, I mean, George Norrie and, and you guys and, and some of the other alternative news sources have really been, you know, the only ones to cover any of this, which is kind of sad. And, and uh, one of the reasons that uh, freedom from covert surveillance and harassment exists, there's another more scientific-based organization that uh, I sit on um, uh, called ISA Act, or the uh, uh, International Center Against Abuse of Covert Technologies, and that's actually a group of professional people, uh, multidisciplinary, that are actually looking this at this from more of a scientific uh, point of view. Um, for those interested, that's ISA Act, I-C-A-A-C-T dot org, um, and our focus is you know, trying to get as much scientific data behind this as we can to fight it uh, and public education. 
Um, and on the educational front, there's also been a screenplay written on my book, uh, and hopefully it'll be uh, actually um, in movie theaters uh, in not too far from now. Uh, right now we're in pre-production, and those interested that want to be a part of that, uh, that is um, newbreedmovie.com. Newbreedmovie, um, okay. Yeah, dot com. Newbreedmovie, dot com. Okay. Yeah, because it public has a lot on this. I, I found that out after I um, released the book. I had a lot of people contact me after you know being on George Nori, uh, seeing my website, and um, contacted me saying, you know what, you know, our son was complaining of this for years. Uh, we've had him on every psych med. He's seen three different psychiatrists. He's had electroconvulsive therapy, and yes, believe it or not, I've, I've come across families that actually let a psychiatrist shock their loved ones because they were complaining of electronic harassment. And of course, none of it worked. Uh, and they said, until we heard you on George Nori or we heard you on one of your radio interviews, we didn't understand what it was, and, and now we do know what he's going through, and, and we're sorry we did the things we did because we just didn't understand. And I've actually had a number of families come to San Antonio to meet with me with their loved one, whether it's a, a child, a, a wife, a spouse uh, that's going through this just to talk to me so they can get a better understanding about it. So, I mean, the educational efforts really do pay off. How do you fight against or how do you protect yourself against something like this, doctor? Well, what I, mean, it's, it's difficult. And, and uh, what I what I tell them, a lot of the victims, I wish the victims would, would contact me when they first notice the stalking because that's the opportunity you have to really prevent a lot of this. Um, but, you know, most of us, you know, don't want to be labeled as crazy. So you see the same car sitting outside your driveway or following you home from work or following you to work. You know, you know, in the back of your mind, you're thinking this person's following me. But you try to, you know, blow it off and think, well, yeah, I don't want to be labeled as crazy. It's probably somebody driving the same direction or it's probably somebody that's going next door and just parking in front of my house every night. So, you know, they let it go. Um, if you can catch it during the stalking phase, most law enforcement agencies will take stalking um, serious. Most states now have anti-stalking laws. In Texas, they were changed, or if you notice the same person following you twice, you know, you can get a restraining order without uh, having to prove that they've injured you, which it used to be you had to prove physical injury. Um, so that's actually the, the best time to put to nip it in the bud is if they can't stalk you, um, then they're going to be forced to try to surreptitiously drug you somehow where they can actually implant you with a chip to track you by, um, or get a hold of your phone to put, um, software on it where they can track your phone. Um, assuming that most of these PI agencies probably don't have access to AT&T or Verizon, you know, to actually have that done, um, without a warrant, which the, right. allegedly the police have to have a warrant to track you by your phone. Um, but if you can nip it in the bud at the stalking, that'll stop a lot. Now, once you're actually in the throes of electronic harassment, at least the, our theories now, if you're not chipped, or even if you are chipped, that it's basically done by EEG manipulation. Um, then you have to, there's some subtle ways of altering your EEG, um, you know, to foil the stalking. Um, you can use shielding. You know, we have had people, we've tested people, put them in Faraday cages or anechoic chambers. That will minimize it, but, you know, that the problem with that is you can't, you know, live your life living in a Faraday cage. 
Uh, yeah, uh, from a bubble boy to uh, a Faraday cage boy, I guess, and, and I, I don't mean to make light of it, but 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 seriously, I, I mean it's if we are to accept, and I do accept that this is taking place. I mean, just look at the history behind this, the MK Ultra program. Look at the universities involved in this. Look at the government agencies involved in this, and, and then and then as you said, Doctor, look at the end game. Um, you know what the end game is. It, it just it, it makes sense um, that this would be taking place. Now, how is this funded? Uh, I mean, who's paying for this? Because well, I, I know P, a PI. I mean, look, uh, you know the the human resource aspect of this for PIs and others uh, uh, costs money. Well, and you know that's the big question most of these victims get. You know, they'll say, "Well, you know, you're a housewife." You know, you're not a political radical. You know, you're not a member of a terrorist group. You know, why would anybody want to spend? Or the police will tell you. You know, do you know the vast amounts of money they would have to spend to do this to you? And that's just really not the truth. You know, our tax dollars have paid for these satellite launches, and our tax dollars have paid paid for paid for HARP. So it already exists. It's there. And as you know, satellite surveillance is the most inexpensive way you know, to surveil someone or track someone. You know, even if it's just basic old technology satellite tracking, you know, it's much cheaper to slap a tractor on underneath somebody's car than to have a personnel follow them around from a PI aspect. Um, so th the expenditure is really not there. Initially in the organized stalking, if they're stalking you, there's some expenditure. But as a rule, the people that we've caught um, – and counter surveil that are doing the hands-on stalking are not the people actually controlling the electronics. You know, that's done remotely from a computer. Um, the people they typically have doing the stalking are, you know, kind of no account um, people anyway, um, you know, guys with criminal history or criminal past that, you know, you know, with the opportunity to be able to, you know, rape or pillage uh, will do this kind of work you know, for you relatively cheaply, um, and certainly will do it relatively cheaply at the risk of having it done to themselves. So um, it, there's really not a lot of money being spent. And like I said, you know, like the group here that we've counter surveilled, they're financing themselves by hiring this out for corporate espionage, uh, hiring it out to the wealthy as, as one of the uh, a physician um, that has used this um, former FBI agent before to um, – harass competitors his exact words he said i'm hiding him from my wife in case i need to make her look crazy during a divorce and uh -huh. i've been contacted since by another woman who's getting a divorce from a very prominent physician in uh, texas who is doing just that uh, and it's the same investigator she's identified the same investigator um parking in front of her house shining bright lights in the window um, she thought her house had uh, had microphones and cameras put in it because they always knew what she was thinking or what her plans were when indeed it was the group that's using electronic surveillance on her so i mean it is being hired out among the wealthy uh, for corporate espionage and you know for messing with competitors or uh, or harassing ex-spouses and you know and that even goes all the way up to the nsa i don't know if you'd seen the the news and i brought this up on george norrie's show um that uh, the nsa one of the things they admitted is that several of their agents have been guilty of victimizing um, romantic interest using NSA technology. And uh, it, it happens so frequently within the NSA that they call it love-ent. 
uh, instead of human for human intelligence, sigint for signals intelligent, love int, love int for love intelligence. Uh, and of course, wow. Congresswoman Feinstein said she was going to get right to the bottom of that and have a report back for the public that it was only one or two cases a year. Come on, human nature. Human nature dictates that. You know, if, you know, if you just got a divorce and you're working for the NSA and you can harass and watch your spouse, you're going to do it. So of it, course, it's, it, it's going to be more than one or two cases a year. But the fact that it happens so commonly that they have a pet name for it is kind of disconcerting. Absolutely. Your uh, website here, you said a new breed of satellite terrorism in America. What about the emergence of drone technology? How does this play into all this? Well, you know, a lot of this can be done from a drone, too. And I've certainly talked to a lot of victims uh, who have, you know, noticed what they think are drones um, around them. And, you know, they have drones down to a fairly miniaturized size now. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, some of the major municipalities in Texas are now using drones. For instance, Austin, Texas, uh, now has drones um, that the law enforcement uses when they have to serve high-risk warrants, um, like serving warrants to meth labs, um, or where they are expecting a standoff with police. They'll drone the area before they send in ground law enforcement. So, you know, I, I hopefully this type of technology is not on those. But that's one of the reasons we really need to look into legislation against drones. And I, and I know Texas has passed legislation making it illegal for individuals to own drones. Because, you know, I don't know how much research you've done into that, but, you know, drone, you can get a drone that's equipped almost as well as the military's for about six grand. So, I mean, yeah, and you learn how to fly, yeah, and, uh, and how to fly wow. in your neighbor. So, wow. Yeah, when we were active in surveillance, when we were active in surveillance of this, uh, and this was just coming out where, uh, and even there were some news groups in the PI industry that were um, advertising, they would build a drone-like uh, vehicle where you could actually position it. It's it would be quiet. The the engineering behind it, it relatively expensive, but you could uh, have audio and, vi and and video surveillance of your target without um, we you know without having to expose yourself with a video camera or a van or in a vehicle. So we know this is coming out, uh, and I can verify, not that you need validation, but just from a, a PI perspective, I can tell you that, that uh, as of 2010, 11, yeah, this is starting to hit the, um, uh, hit the news groups. So this is rather disconcerting. Wow. Now I now have a similar thing. Now I did, uh, and I didn't mention this in the book, but uh, the girl that I wrote about, I wouldn't call it a drone vehicle, but the uh, the PI group did leave a vehicle parked directly behind her condominium in the parking lot um, that was um, being used as a repeater uh, or a range extender. Um, I, they were apparently having trouble um, getting some of the signals out of her condo for remote reception. Um, you know, in her case, most of this was being done electronically, remotely with satellite surveillance. But um, one thing I will say is that um, the FLIR imaging you get from, and you can see indoors with FLIR imaging from satellite now, by the way, for your readers. 
but uh, and it's come a long way. It's not the swirls of red and blue and like you you know have seen in the movies. It, it looks like a black and white photo, but it's still not good enough. Um, I guess for people who are looking for sexual images. So for that, they often will still break in and try to put uh, either a Wi-Fi based camera in or an RF based camera. And in her case, it was an RF based camera um, that was uh, had been replaced. Uh, her motion detector and her alarm system had been replaced with an RF based camera, which you know has a pretty low range uh, of reception. So they had actually put a uh, repeater um, mounted uh, in a vehicle that they left parked outside of her condo so they could actually get the signal out of the condo across the parking lot and uh, receivable to a, a home that was across the street. So, but yeah, that, it, that would involve breaking and entering into her apartment and replacing equipment that's already there, correct? Yeah. Okay. All right. Wow. Wow. Oh, they did more than that. They, they, there were times that we came in and the mirror in the bathroom wall had been moved around. Switches had been removed and replaced. Uh, one wall was painted a different color uh, while she was at work. Uh, I mean, these people are so sure they're not going to get caught that they're pretty brazen. Uh, and as a matter of fact, this particular individual in San Antonio that's a former FBI agent has been named by um, four or five victims now in the state of Texas. And well, when you call to complain about him to the DPS uh, in Austin, um, they'll tell you that, uh, that he's never had a complaint. One question. Um, have you ever came across a case where somebody was killed for breaking and entering who was part of this network or somebody was caught red-handed and uh, police charges were filed or the police got involved? There's no, no because that, that can't happen. Um, once before they start the breaking hearing, they're watching pretty close and they're also watching your neighbors. So, and it's amazing that the, um, the people they target tend tend to be loners. At least uh, the group here mostly does this for uh, harassment purposes and sexual assault purposes. So the, the women, the female victims that I've had to deal with here and nationwide, most of the female victims are women that are divorced and living alone. And you got to remember when they're watching my satellite, they're watching 24-7. This is done in shift work. And like I said, we've counter-surveilled this group. Um, it's usually three or four people working a 12-hour shift during the day, being relieved by three or four people working a 12-hour shift during the night. So they know when you're going to come or go. And you know the other scary part of this technology is they're also hearing your thoughts. So not only do they know where you're going, when you're home, and when you're not, they know what you're planning and what you're not. You're referring to, by the way, the the people, uh, and I think you've, I think I've heard you use the term social outliers, uh, people that don't have any, any, uh, oh, the, well, I think a descriptive term speaks for itself. But uh, yeah, uh, you now on the other side of the hour. Uh, but by the way, uh, uh, Dr. Hall, we're probably. Yeah, I haven't counted them, uh, 35, maybe 40 questions from listeners all across the United States, Canada, and uh, even in the UK listening live to this broadcast right now about uh, directed to you about this. Uh, but I want to remind folks, you're listening to Dr. John Hall. His website, ladies and gentlemen, is satweapons.com. That's satweapons.com. You've got to get this book uh, to really fully appreciate and understand what we're talking about here tonight. Uh, I, I think this is uh, an emerging 
epidemic. I mean, you're a do- you're a doctor. Would you classify this this as an epidemic that's taking place? Oh, certainly. I mean, this has grown exponentially just in the ten years I've been dealing with it. Um, and we estimate, at least based on numbers of people that have filled out um, questionnaires, and not just that group. Freedom's one of many groups dealing with victims of this technology. Um, just in the United States alone, we estimate probably three hundred thousand. Um, and like I said, I've heard from multiple people from every country here recently. Um, you know, and uh, you know, I, I talked to Mitch Santel uh, about this. Um, here recently, I've been having a lot of victims contact me from New Zealand and Australia um, that are um, having problems with this too. But the UK, uh, Yemen, uh, all through the Middle East. Um, uh, the one one country I hadn't heard from any victims until recently was Japan. Uh, and then the last couple of weeks, I've had a number of emails from victims in Japan as well. So you are the go-to guy, and it, it really you are the go-to guy for this type of uh, well, this this epidemic. Uh, by far, I, I would classify you, having done research prior to tonight's program. Uh, Any time I would put in a search engine, the um, uh, various uh, uh, qualifiers, your name would come up. So, yeah, I've got to say, folks, you're you're lucky to we're lucky to have on with us Dr. John Hall. We're folks forever against the top of the hour break. We're going to be back with uh, with a whole list of questions. One of the things, Dr. Hall, on the other side, I, I want to ask you about because this came to me and regular regular listeners will remember uh celebrity suicides remember me mentioning that to you folks before uh, i've got some questions about uh, celebrity issues as well as um a couple of other things including but not limited to uh uh, uh well i'll just leave it at celebrity Celebrity suicide, celebrity events uh, on the other side of the break. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on this, the 11th day of September 2013. Very special guest, Dr. John Hall. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our third and final hour on this Wednesday, 9-11-2013. We are joined by our very special guest, Dr. John Hall, a uh, guest on Coast to Coast, uh, frequent guest on Coast to Coast. His website, satweapons.com. And a new breed of satellite terrorism in America. This is uh, Dr. John Hall's book website. And we're talking about uh, gang stalking, electronic warfare against citizens, and all that entails. And it is a deep, dark rabbit hole. And many people say, you know, this is crazy. And uh, Mr. Hall, I could do a, a question. How many people have you encountered that say that they are victims of this, that it turns out they're just having you know problems with them their own minds they're not really victims of this you know what very few because uh, i'll tell you a, a little something about schizophrenia and true delusional disorder um when you're truly schizophrenic you don't see that as an issue really i mean you don't recognize it as a problem uh, it starts early on uh, and it is treatable with medication. I mean, most schizophrenics get better on medication. Um, most of the people that contact me are people that are uh, scouring the Internet looking for a reason for what's happening to them. Um, so uh, typically you don't see that uh, in, in the truly mentally ill. Okay. Well, that's a, uh, yeah, that's a good answer there. Wow. 
Uh, is there one particular, uh, well, Christians, for example, or political dissidents? I mean, aside from the, the uh, uh twisted love interests of you know the nsa denizens who uh, and the workers of the nsa who, who are uh, you know misusing assets um who, who do you who do you find as being the prime targets to this in terms of not the social outliers necessarily but is there any political or any type of belief or um i'm not sure if you know where i'm going with this in other words Christians, the Christian yeah, faith, political or affiliation, political mindset, you know, yeah, any specific mindset over and over. Well, well, in this day and age, with the current uh, government we have, and I noticed you said Christians or political um, disobedience. You know, and I think right now they're roping us into into one. Um, uh, certainly, there seems to be a war on Christianity in this country uh, right now. Um, no, I, it's. I would say that most of the probably most of the victims that I have dealt with are are probably Christian. You know, you know, maybe not you know full practicing Christians, but most of them uh, ad, admit to a belief in in God and Jesus Christ. At least most of the victims that have contacted me. Of course, you know, I'm pretty open about my Christianity, so I, most of the victims contacted me know that you know going in. Now I've been contacted by a number of people from the Middle East that are that are um, Muslim as well. They're um, being victimized, um, so it, it, they don't seem to be specifically targeting a, a particular mindset as far as spiritual or political um, belief. As, as a matter of fact, like I said, when you boil it all down, most of the victims are you know, what we would classify as relatively nobodies. Uh, even if they're not social outliers, they're still you know housewives, husbands. You know, and just you know, people trying to trying to make it. And, and if you look historically at the people victimized in most of those MK Ultra studies, it was you know retarded kids living in homes and orphanages. It was prisoners. Uh, it was men using prostitutes. It was drug users. Um, you know, they're they're pretty cautious to use people for a lot of the hardcore experimentation that are already self discredited. Uh, and, and I have seen a number of people from the drug counterculture that have been victimized. And uh, it's sad because, uh, you know, immediately when the police come to talk to them, they're going to say, well, have you ever used drugs? And they say, well, yeah, you know, 10 years ago, you know, used meth. Well, then right away they're going to say, oh, well, there you go. You know, this is all from the meth uh, right. or this is all from the marijuana or this is all from the alcohol. You know, um, you know, they, they love having people like that to victimize and experiment on because they're self-discredited. Interesting. We have a question from a good friend of the show in the Philippines, listening to this live from the Philippines. Welcome, my friend. Um, he writes, please ask Dr. Hall to tell us more about the technology involved in these directed energy weapons used by, we'll say, the PI groups. Are they RF-based? What kind of transmitter and antenna uh, arrays would be used, uh, the power inputs. And, and why doesn't this affect others nearby? For example, you know, the neighbors uh, of someone in a condominium or um, even other family members will say. Well, you know, the it can be uh, widened 
uh, in its scope to where it can affect a group of people, and we saw that used in the first Operation Desert Storm. Um, there was 1,500 Iraqi soldiers um, actually dismantled, disassembled their weapons, got them on their knees, and surrendered to 100 Marines. They didn't have enough slip ties to cuff them, so they uh, cuffed them to each other. Um, until they ran out of slip ties. And um, this was the first deployment of a system called S-Quad, or Silent Sound Spread Spectrum, um, by uh, Dr. Lowry had invented that, and they've admitted to using that in, in the first desert storm. Um, and those people, those guys heard Allah tell them to surrender in their heads. So they... Did uh, they surrendered? Um, yeah, yeah. As heard it, by on CNN, or as heard on CNN, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. quite. Okay, I'm sorry. No, yeah, no, no, they never covered Although Newsweek did eventually get around to admitting to that in an article that they did. Uh, in another case, there was a, um, um Iraqi soldier uh, mentioned a, a weapon. This was a truck-mounted weapon, not a satellite-based weapon, but um, there was a, um, a personnel carrier full of insurgents um, that, as he described, was a a, um, a Humvee-based weapon attacked the truck with what looked like lightning strikes or lightning beams coming out of the, the Humvee uh, and actually shrunk a bus-sized personnel carrier down to about the size of a VMW uh, Beetle. And the bodies of the insurgents had been shrunk down to approximately 18 to 20 inches in length uh, just from you know, rapidly dehydrating their bodies of any water. Uh, and, you know, the human body is mostly water. Um, immediately, crews came out and, and tried to bury the evidence, but it was dug up later and um, has actually been written about in, in, a, in another book um, of kind of about this technology. So, but uh, to the answer of the question, that is where the, the EEG tracking comes into play. Uh, essentially, the way this is done, from at least from our counter surveillance of the group here, is done from behind the computer where you're actually using satellite FLIR imaging uh, tracking through the EEG, which is called remote neural monitoring, um, to isolate that person out of the crowd. And then you're looking at a, uh, a visual uh, and a um, EEG readout of that person's EEG. And you can target whatever part of the brain you want to target to get whatever type of effect you want to get using very minimal amounts of power. Um, I know a lot of the victim websites I've seen um, claim this is being is through wall technology or being done by neighbors. This is um, satellite and heart based. We've taken victims out onto ranches, uh, isolated in Texas, where there's no power lines, there's no cell phone towers, um, there's absolutely you know nothing that can be picked up on a uh, frequency finder. They still hear voices and they still get attacked. We've had victims travel to other countries that get attacked and still hear voices on airplanes. Um, I've taken people out on boats in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, again, where there's no cell signal uh, and no power structure uh, and are still victimized. And so that would, as, that would suggest some, something implanted then or, or, or no? Well, 
something implanted or the or you've been stalked long enough to um, get a read on your EEG. You know, the body is electric and it transmits. Um, you know, certainly in some people we have found chips. There's, um, I've had a number of people either come here for RF-based scanning to scan them for chips or send me their MRIs. Uh, where they suspect they have had chips, and um, there's been a number uh, of people that we have found chips in, but that's the minority. The majority of the people that we've scanned, uh, either with radio frequency scanning or with um, MRI or X-ray imaging, uh, we found nothing, um, but they're still being victimized. Uh, as a matter of fact, some of the people that uh, do demonstrate chipping uh, through ISA Act, we were actually allowed to have access to a Faraday cage uh, in Belgium. And we took a group of victims there, except extremely low frequency. And we used controls uh, that were there, people that actually ran the lab. And you could put a victim and a control person side by side in that chamber, and the victim would be found to be transmitting on RF scan and the control not. So that these people are transmitting. Um, and in some cases, it may be a chip that's causing the transmission. In some cases, it may be that they're being bombarded with an exciter frequency that's making them transmit. And, you know, then you're getting into the, the other types of tracking um, technology like DNA resonance um, is one of the big ones now. And I know Roger Tulsis uh, talks a lot about that. And, and that would explain some of the... Uh, people that were doing imaging on, um, medical imaging on, and not finding chips, um, but still seem to be getting victimized. And the other way, of course, is remote neural monitoring, where um, a elf wave field can be put down around the individual uh, and can actually bombard the brain with two dissimilar frequencies. And when you do this, the brain actually spits out a transmitted um um, interference frequency that you can derive the EEG back out of um, to use for targeting. And that's old technology, actually, Doug. That um, that technology was first patented by Dr. Robert Malik in 1974. And really? I, spoke to a, I spoke to a friend of mine that was a NASA engineer on the Apollo projects, and they actually had a, a similar on the Apollo projects. They called it the bone phone at that time. And um, interesting story, one of the early astronauts, and I won't say who, actually had claustrophobia, uh, which, of course, being in that small Apollo capsule with claustrophobia is very difficult. So what they did is they invented this thing they called the bone phone, and it was mounted in the Apollo capsule. And they would monitor his heart rate remotely down at this you know in houston and when his heart rate would elevate and he looked like he was starting to get anxiety from being cooped up they would put subliminal messages through his skull using bone conduction and rf technology to try to calm him down as they gave him little idle they put some extra buttons on the console and dials that really did nothing and they would have him fiddle with some of these dials and and buttons that actually didn't do anything to give him something to do uh, and subliminally control him to get over his claustrophobia. Holy cow. I mean, folks, think about that. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's um, a bit much, you'd think. But uh, one question I do have, Doctor, with all the increase in frequencies that are flying around our world from satellites, from cell phones, we'll say not even uh, intended 
intended consequences. Does this leave one more vulnerable or has this broke down a part of our, uh, the way we work through and frequencies work through us for this to be uh, able to be happening at a much higher rate to people that would be victims of this? Um, that I, I wouldn't be so sure about. I mean, these are very specific frequencies, uh, and they're elf and um, and sometimes or probably all the time scalar waves. Um, but I will tell you this: the the amount of uh, RF energy uh, and non-ionizing electromagnetic energy radiation that we have in the environment right now, there's a lot of theories that that might be the reason for the exponential rise in type two diabetes we're seeing. Uh, and from a medical aspect, really? you know, that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, the, the number of type two diabetics diagnosed in this country uh, has exponentially increased each year for the last five or 10 years. Uh, and there's been a, several really good studies come out showing that, um, that chronic electromagnetic exposure actually can do that. Cause you know, it used to be a type two diabetic usually
Hey, did I? Am I still on the call?
would be victims of this? Um, that I, I wouldn't be so sure about. I mean, these are very specific frequencies, uh, and they're elf and um, and sometimes or probably all the time scalar waves. Um, but I will tell you this: the the amount of uh, RF energy uh, and non-ionizing electromagnetic energy radiation that we have in the environment right now, there's a lot of theories that that might be the reason for the exponential rise in type two diabetes we're seeing. Uh, and from a medical aspect, really? you know, that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, the, the number of type two diabetics diagnosed in this country uh, has exponentially increased each year for the last five or 10 years. Uh, and there's been a, several really good studies come out showing that, um, that chronic electromagnetic exposure actually can do that. Cause you know, it used to be a type two diabetic Usually it was caused by obesity and poor eating habits. We're seeing as many people coming in now that are thin as rails having type 2 diabetes as we are the obese. Um, you know, the, the pharmaceutical industry, the metformin and glucophage and other oral hypoglycemic agents that you see advertised on TV all the time, the, their use is, is almost as rampant as antidepressants now. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, our, our diets have changed somewhat, but not so much in the last 10 years that we've that we've seen this ramp up in type 2 diabetes. So I think there there definitely is a, um, um, a um, correlation to electromagnetics and type 2 diabetes, and there's a correlation to um, the lack of vitamin D3 that we're seeing in humans. And D3 regulates heart function, brain function, and sugar metabolism. And even the CDC has said that the lack of D3 in human beings now is at an emergency level. And, you know, D3 uh, is produced by your skin uh, with sunlight exposure. And right. they're recommending that we check everyone. And most of the people we're checking, even men that work outside in the oil fields here in Texas, with chronic sun exposure are coming in with levels of zero D3 in their system. Um, and, you know, having neuropathy, having type 2 diabetes. How possible? Um, if you have exposure to the sun, is it uh, the offsetting of the uh, electromagnetic frequencies, or is that what's doing that? Uh, the no, the, the one, one of the theories behind it is that part of the reason that they're spraying the atmosphere, um, some of the things that they're spraying with are aluminum salts. Um, and under the guise of helping control global warming. But uh, I've seen a couple of really good lectures and, and good reports written on the fact that it might actually be de being done to make the atmosphere, atmosphere more electromagnetically viable. Um, as a matter of that fact, they're developing crops in the Midwest that will grow in aluminum-rich soil. As you know, aluminum's toxic to most living things. So... Well, you know, for all the talk that we've done about the aerial spring, that certainly makes a lot of sense to me. Um, uh, make it more uh, magnetic. Uh, it, wow. Okay. You know, Doug, on that, on just a brief on that, you know, I don't know if you knew, but when... When uh, the press re uh, reported that um, the CDC and the CIA had experimented on prisoners in Guatemala with syphilis and gonorrhea uh, like they did in Tuskegee, uh, just a couple of years ago, Hillary had to come out in public and apologize to the citizenry of Guatemala for us non-consensually experimenting on them. Um, the outcome of that was um, Obama appointed a bioethics commission, and I spoke at that bioethics commission. 
Um, one of the most heart-wrenching stories I heard there, and by the way, this was four meetings, um, over 100 people at each one of those meetings voicing complaints in the public forum of being experimented on with directed energy uh, and, um, and this type of electronic harassment. But one of the guys at the meeting that I actually spoke at sat right up front in front of the board. He got there early. Uh, he was a cowboy. I think he was from Minnesota, uh, had a cattle ranch there. Uh, had pictures of the plane spraying his ranch. All of his cattle died of brain tumors. His wife died of a brain tumor. He was on his third surgery for a recurrent brain tumor that they uh, told him if it came back would be non-operative uh, and pleaded with the Bioethics Commission to get to the bottom of what they sprayed his ranch with um, since he would probably be dead um, before it came to light. So, wow. for those of you who don't think that that's going on either, trust me, it is. And you can read about that, folks, at bioethics.gov. Doctor, is that right? Bioethics.gov, the yeah. Presidential Commission? Okay. And, and, you were a speaker. and despite having four meetings with over 100 people voicing these complaints and me pointing out to them the um, the limits of the common rule. The common rule is what governs uh, what experiments can be carried out on the public, you know, consensually. Uh, I pointed out the, the pitfalls of the common rule and how there really is no legislation protecting us from governmental experimentation, which is why it's always been done uh, on the public without consent. Despite the numbers of people voicing these complaints, at the end of the day, their report to the president was that there appeared to be no signs or, or of uh, non-consent essential experimentation going on in the United States. Wow. Okay. Well, well now, Deb in Alaska, who's listening live, writes the following, or has the following question here. Uh, she's wondering if the, and this is kind of a, 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 a natural progression here of this discussion, but, but she's asking if the increased use of RFID chips on students and in merchandise has this contributed? I mean, where does this fit in to, to this game plan? Game plan there that we're seeing. Well, that has a, a it comes in uh, quite a bit. I mean, this can be done without a chip or without an RFID, but certainly having an RFID or a chip makes it a lot easier to accomplish. Uh, and they are, they are everything has an RFID on it now. As a matter of fact, they have paint now um, and tattooing where you can just paint on an RFID. Um, one of the um, the latest uh, RFID mechanisms is actually um, a carbon fiber that um, is varied in uh, circumference and length, and when bombarded with an exciter frequency, will resonate. And depending on the which with uh, will resonate at your particular frequency, and it can't even be found on X-ray or imaging. It's carbon, uh, and it's about the size of a human hair. Um, My that's a, a Taiwanese maker out. Yeah, and um, uh, so it, that has a large, large component of it because, you know, like you said, part of the Obamacare was chipping, um, and that 
to them they thought was going to be an easy sell. If you're on Obamacare, we want you to have a chip to have all your medical health health information on. Uh, it would be a you know no way out of it for you if you were going to take part in uh, Obamacare. Well, when they saw that there was such an uprising against chipping, you know, in the Christian population, well, then they really had to kind of start looking for another way. And that way is going to be, you know, some type of invisible RFID, which is going to be an invisible RFID paint, or it's going to be a nanotechnological RFID that can be sprayed over the public and uh, embed itself into you when you breathe it in or when you ingest it. Mm. Okay. And that exists already, too. It's actually called smart dust. Um, and they've already been experimenting with smart dust, and they can spray it over a, uh, a geographic region um, and then monitor it via satellite. And right now they're experimenting with it, using it to track population movement to see, you know, who's moving where. And, um, you know, it's, it's it activates as it's driven upon or stepped on. So, mm. wow. Well, wow. And every answer begs more questions, but I mentioned before the break, uh, celebrities seem to be um, a particular targets, perhaps. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how to describe it. I mean, you know, we saw perhaps one of the more high-profile cases, um, the what I initially thought, and perhaps maybe this is true, I don't know, but the uh, the, the apparent lunacy um, associated with uh, Randy Quaid and his wife. Okay, now, uh, and folks, you remember him in uh, the vacation movies with uh, Chevy Chase uh, as, you know, uh, the uh, fruity cousin. But, but but he he often complained of harassment of, of a, uh, a Hollywood mafia type situation. Would Randy Quaid be uh, perhaps be be a victim of this? I mean, I, I don't know if you've looked into that. Uh, I, I think I might have heard you mention that, but or someone else mentioned that. But it, it's what we're talking about. Uh, would that be an example? Yeah, yeah. Randy Quaid and his wife are are both victims. <laughs> And, and a lot of other people in Hollywood are victims. And, um, you know, there's a certain cabal that kind of runs the film industry uh, in Hollywood. And, and, and I've kind of got to delve into that a little bit since we're, you know, since my book is being uh, put into a movie or turned into a movie. Um, and there's a lot of control mechanism um, that goes um, in along with Hollywood. As, as a matter of fact, as... Um, the Edmund Droulet is actually who wrote, uh, who uh, produced um, Madoff in America, Madoff with America, the Bernie Madoff story, uh, is working on um, um, a new breed movie. Uh, and as he pointed out to me, he said, you know, the reason it's called Hollywood, you know, the sorcerer's stick or the magician stick is made out of holly. And, uh, you know, what you see is really not what is there. So... Mm. Yeah, and but yeah, uh, the Quades. I mean, and I can't say a lot on that, but the Quades uh, are victims. Yeah, yeah, but, and it's well. Go ahead. Well, as far as another celebrity, actually, you know, you know, one of our friends, your, you know, yours and mine, um, was basically murdered because of uh, him taking part in uh, against this technology. That was Dr. Fred Bell. Um, and I'm sure you knew Fred Bell, Dr. Fred Bell. Um, uh, he was another alumni from, 
you know, another alumni from coast to coast. Um, you know, he um, um, was kind enough to do a, a, a stint on the conspiracy theory show with Jesse Ventura uh, at my request. Um, they did two shows that basically touched on this electronic harassment uh, and their producer had turned to me and said, can you yourself and can you find other credible people we can interview to do the show? So I made some calls and I talked to, you know, some former CIA people and other physicians in this fight and including Fred Bell, who had actually owned um, some electronics companies uh, and had worked on some of these projects when he was with the DOD and who was, had, had came out very much against it when he saw that it was being used on the public. Um, and he said, you know, sure, if you're going to do it, you know, I'll do it. But my, his exact words, my handlers aren't going to like this. So um, they got around to doing some filming. Unfortunately, they didn't think they were going to have a second, a third season, so they didn't get around to filming me, but they did film him and several other people. Well, when they did get their third season, rather than they're a low-budget operation, rather than spend the money on coming there to interview me, they put together what they already had filmed to try to throw a show together. Uh, and one of those shows included Fred Bell, who was found dead of a heart attack in his room 48 hours after being interviewed by Jesse Ventura. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, uh, folks, by the way, uh, Dr. Bell passed away on September 25th, 2011. Uh, we're coming up on the second anniversary of his death, actually. Um, uh, wow. Uh, yeah, we work with uh, Jesse Ventura. I'm just, I mean, all of the, uh, all, all of the uh, oddities associated with his death. What's, uh, can you say a heart attack? I mean, can the, can, can what, what we're dealing with here, can these turn lethal, the, the non-lethal uh, uh, aspects of this? These, this, these weapons, I'll call them, can they turn lethal? Oh, yeah. Um, most of the, the directed energy research is actually done here in San Antonio uh, at Brook City Base. Um, and um, you know, uh, prior to my book coming out, I actually had a pretty open door to a lot of their research. After the book came out, they certainly shut me off. But um, um, some of the things they were working on and, and have perfected uh, are electromagnetic ways of interfering with the um, the electro electrical impulses that control the heart uh, and acoustic weapons that can um, mess with the heart. You know, the heart's a electromechanical pump, um, and the two ways to shut it down are to either bombard it with an equal and opposite acoustic pulse um, to cause standstill within the muscular walls of the pump. The other way to stop the heart is to interfere with its electrical transmission. Uh, you know, it's an electrical impulse that travels from the atrium or the upper uh, upper chambers of the heart to the ventricles, the lower chambers that, that causes that muscle to contract. Uh, and it has, you know, three nodes that allow it to uh, contract sequentially so you actually have a, you know, rhythmical mechanical pump. And and attacking either any one of those nodes of the electrical system with an electromagnetic pulse, um, the same way you use reverse electromagnetic pulse to shut off a transformer to, you know, turn off and on a radio or or shut off and on a light bulb, you can also shut off and on the heart. Hmm. Wow. That, that's frightening. I mean, I mean, this whole this whole uh, topic 
is disconcerting, especially, you know, when you think about the randomness of this, and I say randomness because, well, that's what it is, and, and to... Uh, and to look at the bigger picture here, uh, can this be used to control our leaders in government? I mean, that might sound like a really ignorant, stupid, and sophomore question, but let's look at the usefulness of this. With uh, you know, 535 uh, congressmen, senators, and of course the nine Supreme Court justices, and of course the president, vice president, and so on. Uh, can this be used to control them uh, uh, over and above harassing them, but put ideas, uh, thoughts into their mind, uh, thoughts of war? Let's go to war. Let's uh, let's go to war against Syria. This is a good idea. This is for the children. Over and over again. Is this can this be done? Uh, yeah, it is being done. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, there was a lieutenant colonel here in Texas uh, that had been part of the uh, the fifth POG, the fifth psychological operations group out of Fort Bragg. Um, during when Obama, right after Obama took office, when there was um, kind of the threat of possibly, you know, tapering down the the war in Afghanistan uh, and defunding some of the war in Afghanistan, several Congress people uh, went to visit Afghanistan, and this lieutenant colonel's job, and he came forward and, and as a whistleblower, his job was to go over there and use this technology to sway the thoughts of the Congress people coming over there to visit to approve more money to spend in the war. Wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, your, I mean, your direct answer to that is it is being done. It's not potentially being done. It is being done. Uh, and it certainly appears to be, you know, being done to the masses, uh, in the public. I mean, we've, you know, that we've voted in possibly the worst president we've ever had two times. So, um, with really no background to be where he's at. Uh, and then you look at some of the other, some of the other decisions being made by some of our Republican senators. Um, you know, McCain specifically, I mean, I'll, I'll name names: McCain and and Lindsey Graham. Uh, they certainly seem to be uh, controlled. So yeah, yeah, I was thinking the same thing as you were saying that. Yeah, you, you know, you you look at the uh, composition of our government right now, and and, and we we offer. It seems like all of a sudden we have some strange bedfellows, some strange political alliances that would not ordinarily be there. And hearing some very uh, strong statements coming from uh, uh, many people in power. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it makes one wonder. Now, now, now Dr. Hall, we've got uh, – we're in the final 20-minute stretch of our program here. What? Um, to take us where you want to go that we haven't touched on, perhaps things that we haven't touched on that you really want to, the people uh, to, to the, we, we've got a pretty wide listening audience. Tell people anything that you want that you think we need to talk about that we haven't, or that you want to reaffirm. Well, one thing I will say, if you, if you feel like you're being victimized yourself, or if you have a loved one that, that has complained to you about this and you didn't know enough about this existence of this technology uh, and thought that they were crazy. And I'm not saying mental illness doesn't exist. I'm a physician. You know, certainly schizophrenia and delusional disorder certainly exist. Um, but there are ways to differentiate it 
from um, being exposed to this technology. Uh, certainly, you know, get a hold of either me at my website, satweapons.com, or Freedom from Covert Surveillance and Harassment, and, and educate yourself about it, because uh, it may save, um, you know, your loved one a lot of, a lot of heartache. Unfortunately, the early MK Ultra studies that have led to this technology were headed up by psychiatrists. As a matter of fact, two of the psychiatrists that, that started MK Ultra were presidents of the American Psychiatric Association and the Canadian Psychiatric Association. So, um, marvelous. Yeah, so at, at the top, uh, the psychiatric organizations, they know very well that this technology exists, and it's no mistake that it mimics schizophrenia and delusional disorder so exactly. It was designed to do that. Uh, now, at the community level, um, if, you know, if as a loved one um, with this um, type of harassment, if you're mandated into a psyche valve by your work or if you're a licensed person and mandated, um, the community psychiatrist largely is going to be ignorant of this technology. Um, but they're also not going to believe any research you bring in from Google um, or anything you download, e even though I can point to three different technologies, legitimate, patented, already invented, already in use technologies that will put voices in your head. The minute you tell a psychiatrist you're having voices in your head, he's going to diagnose you according to the DSM-4, soon to be the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic Manual for Mental Illness, uh, put you on a bunch of medications and rope you into $300 an hour visits at least once a month. Um, and the main reason for that is psychiatry is barely a form of medicine. Uh, it is a great uh, punitive um, technique uh, for people that they want to marginalize, and it's a great moneymaker. Uh, not to say that psychiatrists haven't done some good for some people that truly are mentally ill, but for the most part, uh, psychiatry and to some extent psychology is, has mostly failed us. Uh, and psychiatry at its worst is being used mostly punitively. So um, don't think for a minute that you're going to go into a psychiatrist and, and convince them that this is technological and that you're not crazy. They won't buy it for a second. Hmm. Um, no. And the secondly, the, you know, the big thing with this technology is you have to look at this in, in its larger scope. And you know, we've kind of slipped as a as a population, and and we've allowed ourselves to elect a bunch of immoral and unethical people to head up our government. Um, and one of the things I've, I've got a second book that's just about ready to be released um, uh, called Guinea Pigs Technologies of Control and it's not a story, it's mostly technology uh, and history and how we got here how there there are no rules against experimentation um, that it's perfectly, essentially perfectly legal for the government to experiment on you and I know I'll get emails, people are going to say well what about the Nuremberg Code and you know <laughs> Those are suggestions. Those aren't laws. You know, um, um, we need to look at the list of people who voted in Congress against uh, um, curtailing some of the domestic spying of the NSA, and it's Republicans and Democrats alike. Uh, sure. Yeah, and and vote those people out. You know, people like McCain, you know, McCain is, has been all behind striking Syria, which is the biggest mistake. 91% of Americans disagree with it. 
but the one thing that this whole Syria debacle has done uh, is create a diversion. So we're not talking about the, the IRS. We're not talking about the NSA. We're not talking about Benghazi, at least not in major media, uh, which was the whole point of this. He never intended on striking Syria, but it's created three weeks of nonstop 24-7 news coverage of just that. Um, we need to get back to, to putting ethical people in office when we need term limits. Uh, so no one's ever there long enough to get into a predicament where they serve 30 years in Congress and are completely corrupt. I, I agree with that. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I, wait a second. Uh, John from uh, Long Island sent me a question here. Uh, please quickly ask. Well, I just did sort of quickly ask John, uh, ask Dr. Hall, if television uh, has the capability of programming the mind above what is obviously known so beyond what we know you know how it uh how it uh, affects the brain waves is there something with respect to the new especially the new tvs is there something we should know about the new televisions for example yeah, the new the, programming? The, yeah well that's the part that's part of the reason they went on you, know, you can't put an antenna in your house and get a reception of anything now um Part of the reason that they basically forced everything into digital format uh, and forced everyone to either have satellite TV or cable TV um, is, yeah, it's very easy to put across digital subliminal messages um, through digital TV. And um, and it is being done, and it has been done. I mean, uh, I don't know if you remember... Um, I don't know how old you are, but if you're old enough to remember probably 20 years ago, uh, the Japanese experimented with that using TV uh, and actually put subliminal messages in one of the children's cartoons and had an outbreak of, of seizures across Japan oh, yeah. and young children and finally had to admit that they had experimented with subliminal messaging in a cartoon. Um, and that's very easy to do with digital technology. Uh, some of the... the the uh, high-definition digital TVs are also being equipped with cameras. Uh, they've got new TVs that are uh, coming out now where you'll be able to interact uh, with as a phone and a TV at the same time. Um, so it's all being geared to where your house will essentially be wired um, for surveillance. Um, and if you're using power lines, your house is already wired for surveillance. So I'm sure you probably already knew as a private investigator with that history that your house can actually be monitored in a, without a smart meter just through the power lines. Um, now, the FBI has to have yeah. a warrant to do that, but, I mean, I have had long talks with some friends that are high up in our city public service, and, you know, they communicate via the power lines um, to each other just by hooking up to the power line. Um, what a lot of people don't realize in your home wiring, that third little plug at the bottom between the two spades, um, everybody refers to it as a ground wire. Well, it's not truly a ground wire, it's a return wire. Um, and when you look up at the poles coming to your house, you've got two wires on top and one on the bottom. And the one on the bottom is the return. Sure, some of the dissipated electricity does go into the grounds, into the foundation. Most of it returns via the return line to the power station. Um, and sounds within the home can actually be heard through that line with the right apparatus. Ooh, exactly, with the proper apparatus. We have a, another question from a listener wanting to know uh, how much video games can affect this, um, we'll, we'll say even the 
from the gang stalking uh, to the electronic frequency attacks. Yeah, is that just merely a desensitization, or is that something uh, programming, or something more? No, we really, I really haven't delved much into the the video gaming part of it. I know the media has certainly jumped on the bandwagon to to blame violent videos for you know like the Sandy Hook uh, shooter. Um, you know they came out and said, well, he was you know playing violent video games, and that certainly could have contributed to his already existing mental illness that made him go on the rampage and and shooting. Uh, and I. You know, I mean, I've played my share of video games, and um, and there's a lot of kids playing some awfully violent video games that are that don't seem to be doing that. So, uh, I think that might be being used as a crutch, uh, as an excuse uh, for maybe some kids that are being controlled a different way, but happen to be actually um, delving into violent video games. And you know, I don't know if either one of you guys are are hunters or shooters. You know, I've have always owned firearms and I've been hunting for a long time, and I'm actually a fairly decent shooter, and I don't think I could walk into a school full of children scrambling and running around for their lives and, and get off that many accurate shots. And my gut feeling is that an inexperienced young shooter probably didn't either. So, Okay, well, this kind of segues into a question from Katie from Naper, Naperville, a uh, new listener who, asked, who wants to ask you, the Manchurian Candidate type of, well, the movie, The Manchurian Candidate, back in the, uh, I think, what was it, 1962, uh, compared to, we'll say, the uh, Columbine shooting or any other shoot, mass shooting event or even to um, Sirhan Sirhan. Could, could, could this have been... Um, uh, impl- you know, uh, their act- actions been dictated by this voice in their head that was actually uh, placed there by by the means you're talking about had you asked me that 15 years ago i would have said that sounds crazy in no way what knowing what i know now uh, and seeing some of the unusual circumstances around those and the way the media danced around the facts um yeah my gut feeling would be that um, there's probably some some control issue there you got to remember both of those shootings came right before uh, Obama and the government started really trying to push for gun control because uh, that's, you know, when you're trying to create a socialist environment, it's very important to disarm the citizenry, especially in this country. You know, that's the, the main reason we never got invaded on the ground by Japan during World War II is the emperor said there'd be a gun behind every blade of grass. Um, right. And our government knows that, too. Uh, like I said, you know, that shoot, that young kid at Sandy Hook, I just don't think possessed a skill to shoot moving targets as accurately as he did. Um, the kid at the movie theater, um, you know, he came to in the parking lot and didn't even know where he was. Um, and if you've noticed, we've heard none of his statements in the major media or even he hasn't been allowed to talk to any media people. That's uh, true. To kind of to kind of give his side of the story. And another interesting tidbit that you may have not known, both of their fathers were scheduled to um, uh, testify in front of the uh, Congress regarding the LIBOR scandal. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So, I, and I, I don't think there's any, you know, as George says, there's no such thing as coincidence. <laughs> I totally agree with you on that. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I, I've got to say that uh, uh, this uh, this author's, this guest's book, 
Dr. John Hall, his book, A New Breed. Uh, this is accessible at satweapons.com. It's well worth the investment of time, of money. Uh, this will give you some ammunition, some information and ammunition. I cannot speak highly enough about this book and about the uh, credentials of our of our special guest tonight. You're not talking to somebody with, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're talking with somebody that knows that that, has, that this is a medical doctor, and this is real, live information. The doctor, in closing, is there anything else that we need to? to to really drive home that maybe you haven't mentioned anywhere else on the other program or you feel in the, in the waiting moments of the program that you really, really, we need to cover. Kind of the no, I, I would say we just, we just need to get the, the best way to avoid any of this in the future, uh, in, including, you know, the gun control, the, the socialism, the electronic control. This, like I said, this is a symptom of a bigger problem. Uh, and, and that bigger problem is that we've, we've basically let ourselves slip and we've turned over the, the controls uh, of the government to people who no longer want to govern us but control us. Um, and, you know, certainly this president seems to be very hip to the, uh, the theories of the U.S. UN, which want to be the next Roman Empire, uh, the next one world government. Um, that's the only direction that this technology can be heading. And unfortunately, with our CIA and NSA as the strong arms of the one world government, um, wow. we, we need to, um, and, that's, and that's the, the scary fact right there. Um, we need to get people um, that have some ethics, have some morals, um, back into government, and and the only way to do that is to educate the public. Um, you know, the majority of the public reads below a sixth grade level. Uh, the majority of the public doesn't watch the news, which makes them uh, so susceptible to the propaganda you know, from the Democratic Party, which I, I now essentially call the the Socialist Party. And that's sad because I, I've talked to a lot of victims um, that really thought Obama was going to be the transparent, um, you know, legislator was going to come in, was going to expose all of this, was going to do something about it. Uh, and the way I put it in my second book, if, if George Bush put the football on the tee with the Patriot Act, Obama slammed it through the, the goalpost. Um, that's, a, that's a great, great way of saying it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. and, and so we're, so our goal is to educate and that's, and that I would really be, uh, just plea with people to go to www.newbreedmovie.com because that um, that movie is being produced solely to educate the non-victimized uh, public. It's not going to be a documentary. It is going to be um, drama based on a uh, true story that you can go and see uh, on the big screen. Um, people tend to believe more uh, in something that might potentially be fiction than they do a documentary that's all made in fact. Um, that's just the the human nature of the 21st century. Um, and because until we have everybody understanding this technology that exists, um, the victims are going to get no relief and more and more people are going to be victimized. So um, I really would appreciate anybody going to newbreedmovie.com. Indeed. We, we need to support your efforts. Uh, and, and I suspect that you, uh, well, you've got to go to work in the morning. You've got a medical practice uh, as well. That's correct. Right? That, I mean, that's yeah, very, very busy one, as a matter of fact. And that's wow. why 
when people email me, if I don't return your emails right away, I eventually do get to them. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I see about 20 to 30 patients a day in my medical practice. So, Wow. Well, a personal question then uh, from me. You accepting new patients? <laughs> no, uh, as a matter of fact. You are, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was just uh, kidding. But, uh, uh, no, you sound like, actually, you sound like a... Uh, a very uh, a doctor that I certainly would be proud to have and, and uh, uh, would trust my life in your hands based on your uh, diligence to the facts and the information and, and your all, also your willingness to come out and talk about this. This is fabulous. Break, break, well, yeah, help tell you what, and, and Mitch Santel does a great job for you. I'd like to give him some kudos. Um, we spoke on the oh, phone. Great. Now we're going to have to pay him more. Now we're going to have to pay more. Thanks a lot. And Not you know, and you can't, and you can't say no to a, a coast to coast alum. So. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. We, you know, one of these days, perhaps we'll uh, be on back to back or uh, uh, in, in close proximity to another. But uh, but we do hope you'll come on again, uh, Doctor Hall, uh, on our program to to give us an update um, anytime. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the the invitation is always open to you. Anytime, uh, guys. And I got to tell you, uh, folks, listeners, you've got to grab his book. Yes, I'm hawking books. Uh, go to satweapons.com and grab a hold of his book. And also, uh, uh, new, well, I'm sorry, a new, new breed, breed, new breed movie, right? I can even read my own writing here. New breed movie. Yeah. yeah www.newbreedmovie.com. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. Doctor. Thank you so much for being gracious with your time this evening. I know you're a busy man, so we're going to cut you loose. I want to say thank you, and uh, you know, uh, let's, uh, I'll say hello to George, uh, and, and you do the same. All right, Doug, Joe, thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. God bless, sir. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Dr. John Hall. What a great, what a great interview that was. Loads of information. What a great interview. What a great interview. And, and we want to thank Dr. John Hall for his appearance tonight, and thank Mitch for uh, for you know, getting him on. I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, not a month goes by where I don't get a call at my institute by someone telling me that someone in the government implanted these things in their brain without them knowing. I'm not kidding. Now you may say this doesn't concern me or my children, or my community. But this is less and less true. Once we let the proverbial cat out of the bag, well, at that point, now we let loose science and technology in the broader public sphere. And this then gets us into the actually derivative social issues. We've advised the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the Pentagon, which sounds very important. <laughs> the individuals, the groups, the politics and the societies that have the most sophisticated tools and perhaps weapons win. Out of disclosure, some of the work that I'm doing here today is funded by the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratories. I'm also funded by the European Union Human Brain Project, specifically the Subproject 12, where I'm a task leader for dual-use brain science. And I've also done some ongoing work with the Strategic Multi-Level Assessment Group over the past 10 years at the Pentagon, at Dr. Tabayan's group, and with DARPA. Military agenda is interested on the potential weaponization and misuse of the brain sciences for nefarious agenda for political intelligence and military uses. I give you no science fiction in this lecture. I only give you science fact that may smell of something fictional or fantasy, but represents the reality of what we're capable of doing with the brain science. See, nanocells are real small, a thousand times smaller than these dust particulates. You inhale it, they go to work replicating, spreading like a virus, multiplying in exponentials. Six months' time, I could have a hundred million people 
converted ditch diggers, porn stars, and presidents. Not one would be the wiser. A hundred million people will buy what I want them to buy and do pretty much damn well anything I figure they ought to do. I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, not a month goes by where I don't get a call at my institute by someone telling me that someone in the government implanted these things in their brain without them knowing. I'm not kidding. There are those that think, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. The last sanctified space is that of my consciousness, and you're using this stuff to invade that? You're right. Technology has always brought man to the front of a new era. Old religions die and new religions are born. And now we all have arrived at a turning point in history. Folks, we are about to be plugged into the matrix for real. I'm not kidding. You can look around you and see it happening in real time. We have reached a new milestone where 4 billion people are now using the internet. Today, people want to kick out this reality and usher in a new reality. A world where you can be who you want, do what you want, to who you want, without the interference or consequence of morality or God. The movie The Matrix was just a tale of science fiction, yes, but it is beginning to look more like a documentary every day. Now, some may scoff at this idea and say, you're just fear-mongering. That's not going to happen, you conspiracy theory nut. Well... I may be a nut, but there is no conspiracy when the information is made public to you. That's just you not being aware of it. So we are going to take a closer look at this, because right now, something is happening that you may not be aware of. A sentient simulation of our world in real time. No, this is not a video game, folks. But for those who think it is, I have a question. Are you ready? Player one. What has gone from the drawing board to the reality is this. The use of neural interfacing and physiological interfacing through the idea of remote-controlled small-scale systems to create a nano-swarm of biopenetrable materials that you cannot see that can penetrate all but the most robust biochemical filters that are able to integrate themselves through a variety of membranes, mucous membranes, and wherever, mouth, nose, ears, eyes, and they can be done in such a level that their presence is almost impossible to detect, and as such, the attribution becomes exceedingly difficult to demonstrate. The idea here is to put minimal-sized electrodes in a network within a brain through only minimal intervention to be able to read and write into the brain function in real time, remotely. A group of scientists say we are closer than ever to creating technology which can emerge with human biology in order to access the cloud in real time. Confused? Well, our team's virtual blood is here and has all the details. Can you imagine technology that is so advanced it could provide you with instant access to the world's knowledge and artificial intelligence as soon as you think of a specific topic? According to a group of scientists, neural nanorobotics may be developed to enable a safe, secure, instantaneous, real-time interface between the human brain and both biological and non-biological computing systems. This level of technology could include brain-to-brain -brain interfaces, brain-to-computer 
computer interfaces and specifically brain to cloud interfaces. Technology linking the brain to the cloud could drastically alter the state of communications between humans and machines. So in order for this to become possible, the study noted that data transfer between living human brains and the cloud would likely require the use of supercomputers with artificial intelligence algorithms. While they say that there are supercomputers with processing speeds fast enough to handle the necessary volumes of data right now, they still have to create tiny devices that would be embedded deep in the brain. I can create small robotic units, controllable robotic units at the nanoscale, and that these two can be aerosolized. The idea here is to put minimal-sized electrodes in a network within a brain through only minimal intervention to be able to read and write into the brain function in real time, remotely. The senior author of the study noted that once inside the brain, the devices would then wirelessly transmit encoded information to and from a cloud-based supercomputer network for real-time brain One. state monitoring and data extraction. Such a breakthrough in technology has the power to transform communications, education, work... And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that brain in order to access the cloud. It remains to be seen just how many people will be willing to participate. This is a very touchy area, but the disruptive effect can be huge. It can target key individuals and influence in ways that are kinetic and non-kinetic. The attitudes, beliefs, thoughts, emotions, activities, and relative vulnerabilities and predispositions of those individuals for whom may threaten us. It used to be that I need to be exceedingly close to someone to now influence them with a weapon. And now what we see is we create both distal potential as well as much more capable potential to affect them in a variety of different ways. Or perhaps not, Dr. John Hall will be talking about voices in one's head. is simply a being that has feelings. So when you take that word and place it in front of the words world simulation, that should raise an eyebrow. Now creating a world simulation is not a new concept. Even a sentient one has been attempted over and over. For the public, these often came in the form of video games. The problem with these models is that they have to be constantly changed and upgraded. Every time there is a major event, new trend or change in the real world. The sentient world simulation does this automatically. So what this is, is a synthetic mirror of the world we live in, not a piece of it, but the entire world. And this program constantly recalibrates the simulation based on real-time world events, trends, theories, economics, industry, almost everything you can think of that would contribute to an accurate model not to mention the individual pieces of data on every single person represented in the simulation. So to put this in perspective, what this is, is a digital clone of our world and everyone in it. Take a look. This is the front of my pen. This amount of nanomaterial, if be able to maintain and sustain with regard to its deliverability and aerosolization, could in fact affect all of you. And although it may not be that the sky is falling yet, folks, it looks like rain. Bring an umbrella. 
That said, what's going to rain down? This. The nanotechnology and the biotechnology filters down from the hydrosphere into the water supply and the food chain. And now every, every American, all 318 million Americans are, are infected. What do we do with the tools and techniques we have? What can we do and what should we do? Can we create designer brains? Are they targetable after birth? Are they modifiable throughout the lifespan? The answer to each one of these, ladies and gentlemen, is yes. I give you no science fiction in this lecture. I only give you science fact that may smell of something fictional or fantasy, but represents the reality of what we're capable of doing with the brain sciences. What happens when we ultimately reverse engineer the brain and develop a machine that has cognitive capability and emotional capability? Before you go, oh, that's the stuff of science fiction. No, it's not. Actually, a system of computers, of conscious computers with a will and token emotion of their own. Now, it's really not their own. It's the will and it's the bio algorithms which make up the the bio algorithms which make up the will and token emotion of those that they've copied and destroyed. Can we handle the truth? Can we handle the answers? And even if we can, how are we going to handle it? Your brain is remotely tied. The cerebral cortex is remotely tied to supercomputer for life, which monitors and manipulates all electromagnetic activity. A machine that has cognitive capability and emotional capability literally uses the first person singular I and tells us how it feels. A real, live, breathing, sensitive and responsive entity, just like Pinocchio becomes a boy. If I stood before you three years ago and I told you this, I'd be like, here's science fiction that should start out with once upon a time. Not science fiction anymore. Can we handle the truth? Can we handle the answers? You cannot compromise. You cannot negotiate. You cannot surrender to a computer. It will continue to do what it is programmed to do. Linking brains to machines and creating machine brains. Is that something we can handle? Mind transfer, mind copying, whole brain emulation, etc. for the purposes of training, research, and development. Stuff of science fiction? Nope. Called the information injection feedback loop. It's bidirectional, so they can upload, download, speed alert. This is supercomputer can. This information injection feedback loop, this neural link becomes brain and supercomputer. Linking brains to the internet and data clouds that make an unlimited amount of information available to us all the time. Yeah, we can do these kind of things. Pattern number six zero one one nine nine one. Remote brain computer interface neural monitoring i.e. via satellite from the location of the individual to a remote location so that the brain activity can be computer analyzed. Uh, it, it, the system then takes those, those algorithms and, and, and correlates uh, communication and behavior data. When I say communication and behavior data, what I'm referring to is impulses and identifiers, okay? Um, and then uh, that brain activity is then sampled, uh, remotely measured, and, and then integrated back into RNN data. Um, uh, for the purposes of uh, creating a cognitive model of the victim's brain. The ultimate aim would be to archive enough data on each individual to be able to make a computer model of everyone on the planet, one that could be used to predict the behaviors and reactions of every single person in the event of various scenarios. The set of models that make up the synthetic environment encompasses the behavior of individuals, organizations, institutions, infrastructures and geographies while simultaneously 
capturing the trends emerging from the interaction among entities as well as between entities and the environment. I want to make this very clear. This is not a conspiracy theory. Your data is being collected. What data you say? Your every activity, transaction, physical or virtual communication and yes, even your innermost personal thoughts will be cataloged and uploaded to a hive-based AI system on the global information grid. Yes, we can absolutely yoke brains to machines to create these interfaces. There's a brand new DARPA project that starts this month. NESD, Neural Engineering Systems Designs. The colloquial name for that is the cortical modem. Implants in the brain that allow real-time input and output from the brain remotely. The idea to then be able to take a key individual set of biological metrics and immediately in real time pull them into a large-scale data analytic to say this is who this person is and this is where this person's been and this is who this person has been interacting with could be very very useful the more we know the bolder we go puts the brain at our fingertips it also obviously opens the specter it clearly opens a pandora's box biological knowledge multiplied by computing power, multiplied by data, equals the ability to hack humans. And the AI revolution or crisis is not just AI, it's also bio biology, it's biotech. There is a lot of hype now around AI and computers, but just the, it is just half the story. The other half is the, is the biological knowledge coming from brain science and, and, and biology. And once you link that to AI, what you get is the ability to hack humans. And maybe I'll explain what it means, the ability to hack humans, to create an algorithm that understands me better than I understand myself and can therefore manipulate me, enhance me or replace me. And this is something that our philosophical baggage and all our belief in, you know, human agency and free will and the customer is always right and the voter knows best, this, this just falls apart once you have this kind of ability. This is how it works. This program collects data. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing right now, this system is compiling data on you. And not just about where you are and what you are doing, but how you are feeling. Because after all, cannot truly have an accurate simulation without factoring in real human emotion. I can see you and hear you. I can sense your environment and I can respond to your emotions. I guess you could say I'm putting a human face on artificial intelligence. Right now, there is a miniature digital version of you living, meaning in a sentient nature, in a synthetic digital environment. People, this is the Sims game from hell. Do you know that with this program, I can throw you into a scenario where there is a catastrophe just to see how you react to it, essentially gaining the ability to predict your next move. Your brain reality is your reality. And if in fact I can import information into that brain and take outputs from that brain and link that to an avatar so that brain thinks that it's embodied moving in the world and experiencing the world, can we do this? I have two words for you. Stephen Hawking. Yeah, we can do these kind of things. Load anything from clothing, equipment.
weapons, training simulations, anything you need. Right now, we're inside a computer program. Is it really so hard to believe? Your clothes are different, the plugs in your arms and head are gone. Your hair has changed. Your appearance now is what we call residual self-image. It's the mental projection of your digital self. What is real? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, what you can taste and see, then real is simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain. This is the world that you know. The world as it was at the end of the 20th century. Shane-stalking is alive in this country, and the politicians are denying that it exists. There are literally thousands of websites providing information about these crimes. Sites that explain the truth about what's going on. There are many sites that you should go and check out. Go to gangstalkingworld.com, go to dumpcovertwar.com, go to YouTube and check out Organized Stalking Informers. Listening to OSI Radio. You're not the only one. Join the circle. OSI. Organized stalking informers. Bringing awareness and exposure to the crime syndicate known as organized stalking and technological harassment. Hey, you there. Yes, you. The best thing you're waiting is mentioned as an organized stalking victim. You don't have to be a manipulated fool. Get informed.
Organized stalking and community stalking is a hidden form of terrorism against an individual and a malicious attempt to reduce the quality of a person's life so they will have a nervous breakdown, develop psychological problems, become incarcerated, institutionalized, experience constant emotional and physical pain, become homeless, commit suicide. It is done using well-orchestrated accusations, lies, rumors, bogus investigations, setups, intimidation, overt or covert threats, framings, vandalism, theft, sabotage, torture, humiliation, emotional terror, and general persecution of an individual. Organized stalking is a destructive criminal program built on deception that exists to serve the intentions of a few who are aware of its true agenda. So this, this, this is a thing that's you know out there and it's going on and people are doing it. They use people in the community, they use your neighbors, and then they know they're doing it. And uh, if you're a victim of it, you're not alone. There's more out there. Another thing they do is, uh, is the smear campaigns. They'll tell people this or that. You're going around, you're like, well, so many people think I'm this and I'm that. And, you know, they send it out, I don't know, via text message, like, watch out for this guy or something like that. Before you know it, you got people all over the place that are like, you know, you're targeted. You're a targeted individual. And you did nothing wrong. You know, you did nothing to deserve it. It's slander and it's defamation and it's crime. Let me explain a little bit about what gang stalking does to you. I mean, it's like an intricate little network. It's like maybe maybe 100 people or so, you know, but they're spying on you. They're watching everything you do. They're listening to everything you do. It comes on you and you wonder where it came from and what it is. I didn't really know exactly what it was or why it was, you know, until I started doing a little Googling and things like that, you know, about what was going on and, you know, what other people were going through. I came upon www.stalker-beware.com. And it's a pretty good website to let you know what this actually is and, and uh, why they're doing it, sort of, kind of why they're doing it. I mean, revenge is a, a good motive. It psychologically screws you up and it makes you think, you know, that, that, that the whole world's out to get you by you know, the people that they put here, the people that they put there to do this and that and the things they know about you that they shouldn't know, you know, because what the hell, you're in the privacy of your own place and everything, you know, you would expect to, to write the privacy, but they take that from you illegally and it is a crime. And, you know, it, it does. It can mess a person up. And, you know, I'm out there. I'm wondering who's watching me or who's after me. It's just the crazy things, that, you know, they can do through this, you know, to psychologically mess somebody up. And it's going out being punished. Since they can hear everything, they can hear passwords, they can hear this, they can hear that. They get into your phone, they send out text messages and things like that. To, to people who've been gang stalked, this doesn't sound crazy. To people who haven't, this does sound crazy. And then there's the gang stalkers who probably get a chuckle out of this. But, you know, there is a day. There is a day. And there will be a day for judgment. There will be. Because things like these don't go unpunished. You know, what goes around does come back around. Work and personal life and sabotage or ruining you don't know why. Are you experiencing trouble with your phone, email, and internet services? Are you being denied help from governing and city officials? You are not alone. As many as one person per 100 are being targeted in North America. Gang tactics get thrown on this list as technological and community Gang stalking, group stalking, harassment. This is exactly what is happening. I'm here 
talked about targeting individuals in the United States of America. It's a growing epidemic that is KCBA.com. We're talking about gang stalking, but it actually has nothing to do with the gangs that you first think of. South Coast News reporter Candace Wynn learned more about the trend and how it's getting more dangerous because of the Internet. It, it, it makes you so afraid. Lawrence Casino claims his neighbors are gang stalking him because he plays loud music late at night and is outspoken. He said for the last year and a half, he's been systematically followed by a group of people. At one point, he said they climbed on his roof to harass him. Casino said he's developed a paranoia that's devastated his relationship with friends and, worst of all, family. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, that's the worst part of it. If it was me, I would take action. But what is gang stalking? Basically, the victims could be driving their car or talking on their phones or walking the streets when a group of people try to systematically terrorize them. Richard said gang stalking is nothing new, but new technology is making it more common. Gang stalking itself, they have elevated themselves to technology. So this is something that's been going on before the age of Facebook, Twitter, those other social websites. Uh, they just now have gone into those areas. Gazzino said he's proof that the problem isn't just online and that it can hit too close to home a home he plans on leaving because of gang stalking. I want to be able to go to the tennis courts and, and uh, play tennis or play play uh, ping pong without people following us everywhere. It, it's just nerve-wracking. I'm Candace Wen in Salinas, your Central Coast News. If found guilty of gang stalking, a person may face criminal, conspiracy, and stalking charges, all of which are felony charges in California. Jonathan Hansen, and I've been a targeted individual for more than five years now. I have experienced various types of gang stalking where the perpetrators, organized with cell phones, are always in visual contact with me at all times of the day and night. This is done conspicuously when I am alone and more subtly when others are with me, thus making it from the heart. Gang stalking is alive in this country, and the politicians are denying that it exists. There are literally thousands of websites providing information about these crimes. Sites that explain the truth about what's going on. There are many sites that you should go and check out. Go to gangstalkingworld.com, go to talkcovertwar.com, go to YouTube and check out Organized Stalking Informers. When, when I wrote the book, you know, I kind of did my own searches and, and talked to some connections that I had within the CIA and just to verify exactly what the how this technology works. They, they wouldn't go as far as admitting putting voices in the heads. They had no problem admitting the directed energy capability. Mm -hmm. And um, 
and started looking around and prior to my book there was you know a couple of books where people had mentioned it in passing but you know nobody with you know really any credentials so when i wrote the book i figured half the people that read this are going to think i'm just as crazy as the victims you know but if it reaches a few people and convinces them that this is otherwise then i figure it's done its job and it seems to have done that i've got a, a second book that's in editing right now called guinea pigs uh, technologies of control which kind of goes more into the history of how it became and you know kind of at least what i see is this audio information and public service announcements was authored and presented to the public by osi organized stalking informers bringing awareness and exposure to the crime syndicate known as organized stalking and technological harassment. This is a public service announcement to inform you and the public of ongoing criminal activity that involves criminally soliciting, manipulating, and coercing members of the public to illegally engage in a criminal conspiracy to criminally harass and target victims. Please stand by. Organized stalking, bogus investigations. A secret campaign of stalking and harassment constructs for the victim a prison without visible walls. The victim is stalked and harassed in which ways it causes them to appear paranoid about friends and family. They won't listen, read, or question authority. Incredibly, many victims report even friends and family members have turned perp, perpetrators that means, since no one has been able to get the perps to talk about their activity. It is not known how those we once thought we could trust with our very lives could be turned to do such evil. How this sad fact has accused many targeted individuals to redefine the word family. The perps have an infinite number of ways to turn a person. Those of us who have been close, who have close family ties in the past will always choose to believe threats and coercion were used on family members to get them to cooperate. Some survivors believe their family members would rather sacrifice them to the evil entity than spend the time it takes to listen to the crimes being perpetrated on them. It just takes too much time and effort to read and listen to find out the truth. Thus, the victim simply becomes expendable. That's how it happens. They won't listen, they won't read, and the perps have programmed them to believe that the victim is a mental case. The perps always program friends and family to become enraged and cut off the conversation every time the target tries to find out why their behavior toward them has changed. Therefore, there can be no meaningful discussion of perps' crime. This ensures that the friends and family will never find out the truth about all the lies being used to gain their cooperation. Secrecy is maintained so that no one will ever find out that the target is innocent. All those around them are duped into participating into a lifetime scheme of gruesome torment of the victim. Those who once valued their family as number one somehow buy into perpetration fabrication and thus fall totally under perp control for the remainder of their lives, forfeiting family relationships and squandering forever the precious times they could have spent together with family members and friends. 
The perks will isolate you from everyone. This includes family, friends, and any new friends you meet. Again, the perks use lies, intimidation, and fake investigations to easily accomplish this. After questioning your friends and family endlessly, the perks let them know that if they mention the investigation, they can be jailed or for interfering in an ongoing investigation and or aiding and abating a criminal. Then the perps strongly suggest that you initiate no further contact with you until the investigation is finished. Of course, family and friends are not told this about the investigation will never be finished. Many targeted individuals have been targeted for 20 years or more with no end in sight. That's what they do. They open up a bogus investigation so they can continuously be there to watch you, harass you, and that's what they do. What happens is, uh, basically, as I'm explaining, they turn everyone against you, and I have no one now. I have no friends, no family, no one's around me. Everyone assumes I'm a mental case, and I'm not. I'm completely sane, and I know what's going on. So please go to gangstalkingworld.com and read. Educate yourself. Focus investigation. The gang person is whispered lies and slander by a perp on a TI. If the gang person believes the lies, they will feel righteous in helping to administer secret vigilante justice against the TI, and they are recruited to do this quote-unquote patriotic cause by the perp. Once they have heard the slander, gay persons are gay, even though the perp usually has no legal authority to do so. After this, the gay person will not advise the TI of either the slander they have heard or the identity of the perp who whispered it. The gay person's fear is based on the possibility that the slander may actually be true or even worse if it's false. They feel threatened that similar slander may be unleashed against them unless they cooperate with a vigilante justice against the TI. Focus investigation. targets will have worn markers placed against their files. The information is then shared with relatives, storekeepers, friends, and the community at large. The files are usually not left behind. But they are used to prejudice and slander individuals against the target. These files can be used to engender the corporation of friends and associates of the targets. The files might have a picture of the target and information about some alleged crime, incidents that the target has been flagged for or is under investigation for. The information is usually very convincing and helps to further get targets harassed by those around them. The most important thing about these files are that they are usually fake. They're bogus, that is, they're the fool and trick you to believe things that are not true. Can't be fooled, they can come to them and told them lies, bullshit lies, so that they can keep the ongoing bogus investigation that needs to be going. That's right, it's an investigation. It's a bogus investigation aimed at destroying the life of an individual. Because they've got this bogus investigation out for them. They can keep it open and they can use their gang stalkers and they say, okay, we suspect this person. Oh, gee, look, it turns out this person isn't the person, okay? But we're not sure just because we don't have the proof of it, okay? But they know, they do know. But they can keep that going now and they can use it all the time. So they never have to explain or nothing because they just go around and say, yeah, we just don't have the proof now. That's how they destroy some of the gang stalkers. What they do is you destroy your life. They contact people in your life, such as um, people you go to the corner store you go to, the gas station you go to, the coffee shop you go to, where you buy your groceries, where you do your banking. All these people are confronted by these people one way or another, and they get someone to propose them and say, hey, listen, don't trust this person. They, they come up with lies, basically, uh, and they. That's how they destroy someone's character. It's called character assassination. Wrongful accusers or wrongful suspicion followed by uh, character assassination, which then finishes the person off. Uh, they just walk away scot-free saying, no, we didn't do that. We didn't harass this person. We didn't cause their military damage. Which they did. Uh, 
they also go to your neighbor, which um, we'll be talking about here, um, which I mentioned before. They go to your neighbor and they tell your neighbor, hey, don't let your neighbor hang out with your kid or watch out for your dogs or whatever. So if you really want to believe, believe that, well, go ahead. But if someone comes to you and tells you stuff, as my neighbor, you best be listening to me. We can't stop you. And so, if you were suckered into this, I suggest you go to gangstalkingworld.com. That's a good one. Go there, wake up. People in my community are being fooled. My mother, my father, and my wife, you've all been fooled. It's a bogus investigation. So if anyone came to you and said, oh, it's a uh, investigation, blah, 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 it's bogus. The investigation is designed to destroy the life of individuals to be fooled and be tricked. Focus investigations. In some instances, the friends, family, and associates of the targeted victim are being falsely told that the criminal organized gang stalking and technological harassment the victim is being harassed, violated, and terrorized with is a quote unquote investigation, which is bogus, fraudulent, and criminal. Family, friends, and associates of the victims are being manipulated fooled and illegally coerced into taking part in this illegal bogus so-called investigation that is nothing more than harassing, violating, and terrorizing emotional distress and psychological terrorism to the victim that lasts for years and years. Warning and beware of perpetrators falsely claiming that another individual is under investigation also known as bogus investigations. Although legitimate investigations are a necessary function of honest law enforcement, the perpetrators in some cases will cloak and mask the criminal organized stalking harassment and torture of the victim as a fraudulent investigation which is a criminal tactic where the perpetrators are manipulating others to force them to act towards their wishes utilizing manipulation or intimidation and coercion. Organized stalking bogus investigations. A bogus investigation is defined as an illegal criminal covert tactic deployed by the perpetrators of the organized gang stalking crime syndicate, in which the perpetrators utilize various different methods of manipulation, deception, coercion, and threats to essentially criminally solicit, manipulate, deceive, or extort the cooperation and silence of those the targeted victim comes in contact with, including those close to the target and the general. Public which provides cover for the organized crime syndicate and the perpetrators' criminal activity. The criminal perpetrators may try to issue you a fraudulent illegal bogus gag order, which is illegally and criminally utilized to extort your silence and illegally force and coerce your cooperation into the organized stalking harassment conspiracy. The perpetrators may flash a fake phony badge or display official-looking fake, fraudulent doctor.files, videos, or text documents that are meant to make the scheme appear more credible and fool, trick or coerce you into the scheme. The criminal or criminals may even possibly be a real member of law enforcement, however if they are, they are criminally abusing their position and limits of authority and illegally utilizing it to criminally harass, threaten and coerce you and other individuals into a criminal conspiracy against another individual. Quote, what they utilize is, they open up a bogus investigation so that they can continually be there to harass you. During these bogus investigations, the perpetrators will contact the unwitting subjects either by telephone, text message, email or physically approach the subjects and begin to fraudulently brief them about the victim and the falsified reasons and motives for the situation. This perpetrator briefing is always based on deception, pretexts and false reasons of justification that are meant to fool, manipulate or coerce you and unwitting subjects into submitting to the bogus illegal scheme while providing cover for the crime syndicate and the perpetrator's criminal activities. 
As part of the criminal scheme, the perpetrators may try to illegally order and extort you to submit to an illegal gag order or sign a fraudulent non-disclosure agreement stating that if you speak of the bogus investigation, you may be fined or jailed. In extreme cases, the perpetrators may even falsely state that it is a matter of national security, which is a known line that has been deliberately abused and deployed by criminal elements of government as a ruse and excuse for criminal activity. It should be noted that the perpetrators may not always directly lie about and slander the victim. Example, the perpetrators may not always contact you and tell you the victim is a wife beater, but it is a guarantee that the perpetrators will always lie to you about the reasons and motivations for what they are doing. And if a complete lie is not told about the target, false motives and speculations will be deployed in attempt to manipulate you and others to submitting to the criminal scheme. Some of the most common lies and slander cowardly whispered by the perpetrators to fool unwitting subjects into these bogus investigations include the following. Telling others that the targeted victim is a drug addict, drug user, or drug dealer, a violent person, a domestic abuser, a wife beater, a paranoid schizophrenic, a rapist, a pedophile, a child molester, a murderer, a murder suspect, a terrorist, or the classic, simply, someone we need to keep an eye on. The perpetrators who deploy the bogus investigations can actually be anyone. Criminal private investigators, criminal former and current government and military slash Air Force employees, or corrupt criminal law enforcement, who are being manipulated and criminally funded, while being utilized as pawns by criminal elements of government into carrying out criminal organized stalking operations by proxy. Coercion is the use of express or implied threats of violence or reprisal as discharge from employment or other intimidating behavior that puts a person in immediate fear of the consequences in order to compel that person to act against his or her will. Coercion is the practice of compelling a person or manipulating them to behave in an involuntary way, whether through action or inaction, by use of threats, intimidation, trickery, or some other form of pressure or force. These are used as leverage to force the victim to act in the desired way. Coercive persuasion or thought reform is best understood as a coordinated system of graduated coercive influence and behavior controls designed to deceptively and surreptitiously manipulate and influence individuals, usually in a group setting in order for the originators of the program to profit in some way, normally financially or politically. Using rewards and punishments, efforts are made to establish considerable control over a person's social environment, time, and sources of social support. Social isolation is promoted. A conspiracy is a secret agreement between two or more people to perform an unlawful act. There are 60 factors being utilized in these illegal, criminal bogus investigations. 1. Manipulation. 2. Speculation. 3. Fabrication. 4. False dossiers. 5. Bribery. 6. Coercion and extortion. These six elements are all being utilized in tandem by the criminal perpetrators to illegally target the victim, while simultaneously manipulating those close to the victim and the general public, while providing cover for the crime syndicate and perpetrators' criminal activities. Manipulation. Manipulation is element number one within the crime of organized stalking, and the same applies to bogus investigations. Any way that the perpetrators can manipulate others to their advantage, they will do so. 
and this includes manipulating those around the targeted victim, the victim's family, friends, associates, and the media. As a prime example, the perpetrators of the organized stalking syndicate are notorious for deploying the illegal utilization of through-wall radar camera technologies to criminally eavesdrop on and illegally invade the privacy of organized stalking victims. During these bogus investigations, the perpetrators may manipulate a neighbor or citizen that resides around the targeted victim into allowing the neighbor to set up one of these through-wall radar devices inside their home to illegally monitor the victim. In order to gain the unwitting neighbor's cooperation, the perpetrators will blatantly lie to the unwitting neighbor by telling them various lies, excuses, and false motivations as to why the through-wall radar is being utilized, therefore co-opting recruiting the neighbor into the organized stalking crime and criminal conspiracy. Some of these lies and excuses told by the perpetrators to manipulate the unwitting neighbor will include the following. The victim is extremely violent or potentially violent and needs to be monitored. The victim is a rapist or serial burglar. The victim is a terrorist or a suspected terrorist. The perpetrators realize that these false motives slander lies will most likely appeal to the ignorant, unwitting neighbor's desire for crime prevention in their neighborhood, and therefore the neighbor will most likely succumb to and go along with the perpetrator's criminal use of these through-all radar technologies, not realizing that they can still be held legally liable and criminally prosecuted for going along with the perpetrator's wishes. These criminal ploys utilized by the perpetrators are not limited to the illegal use of through-wall radar technologies and can also include deployment of illegal listening devices, recorders, and illegal entrance into the victim's home. You need to realize that in reality, history has proven through solid patterns and the multitudes of organized stalking victim testimonials that as a part of the organized stalking crime, the perpetrators usually always deploy these through-wall radar technologies so that they can constantly criminally monitor the targets inside their homes as part of the criminal organized stalking operations, not because of the lies the criminal perpetrators are telling you and the victim's neighbors. The through-wall radar is also utilized in attempt to try to blackmail the target with a sense of we seen you do everything, and the perpetrators will attempt to utilize this to embarrass and control the victim into their submission. Focus on Speculation. Speculation is the forming of a theory or conjecture without firm evidence. One of the most common ruses deployed by the perpetrators during bogus investigations involves the perpetrators falsely speculating by telling others that the targeted victim is a suspect of a crime under investigation. We just don't possess the proof yet. Thus falsely speculating and giving the appearance to others that the target is guilty of a crime without actually having substantial evidence to substantiate and corroborate the perpetrator's false claims. The speculation is designed to isolate the victims and cause others to be suspicious and paranoid about the victim by dragging the victim's name through the mind. Fabrication. Fabrication is the action or process of manufacturing or inventing something. The perpetrators are known for fabricating incidents involving targeted victims by covertly manipulating situations to cast the victim in a fabricated negative light. The perpetrators sometimes will fabricate a staged organized stalking street theater incident where they will try to bait the victim into something detrimental to their safety or something illegal. During these fabricated staged incidents, the perpetrators will deploy recruited manipulated helper slaves, which can be anyone in the community, whom the perpetrators have manipulated to stand by to observe and act as concerned witnesses when they attempt to bait and provoke the victim. If the victim responds to the fabricated staged incident or is provoked into retaliation against the provocative behavior from the perpetrator, the manipulated helper slaves are instructed to bear false witness against the victim by falsely claiming that it was the targeted victim who provoked the perpetrators or falsely claim 
that the targeted victim was belligerent with them, or the victim needs help, the victim is paranoid schizophrenic EDC. When in reality, the entire incident was falsely fabricated and set up by the perpetrators and the perpetrator helper slaves were manipulated to lie about the victim. In worst cases, the perpetrators may actually try to frame the targeted victim for very serious crimes. These acts are done by the perpetrators out of desperation, usually when the targeted victim knows the truth about something very dangerous or damaging to the perpetrators, or when the victim possess multitudes of evidence on the perpetrators that could literally destroy the organized stalking crime syndicate. These very serious sinister fabricated framing desperation tactics deployed by the perpetrators are limited to the perpetrator's imagination, but could include any of the following fabricated incidents against the victim or others. Murder, murder-suicides, hangings, drug overdoses, poisonings, shootings, gang feuds and shootings, theft, stabbings, rapings, arsons, bombings, terrorism, terrorism plots, murder-for-hire plots, conspiracies, possession of child pornography, possession of heavy drugs, sabotage where the targeted victim could possibly either be directly murdered or blamed for any of these fabricated staged acts of illegal behavior or homicide. It is worthy of noting again with the modern advances in technology and computers, it is now possible that the perpetrators can't even generate up a false altered fabricated video or even a technologically generated video that looks frame by frame, exactly like the victim which can make the victim appear to be doing anything which could potentially be utilized by the perpetrators to fool others into believing the victim has been involved in something, illegal or done something, that they honestly did not do. Even consumer-level computer software available to the public such as Adobe After Effects and other software is capable of superimposing or placing someone's entire figure and body into moving motion scenery or background. The higher advanced op-ed technologies can generate a complete visual video clone of an individual which only a trained video analysis professional would be able to differentiate the real from the fake. Focus investigation. False dossiers. A dossier is a collection of papers, documents or other sources containing detailed information about a particular person or subject. During bogus investigations, the perpetrators are known to carry and display false altered or fabricated documents also known as false dossiers in an attempt to reinforce their fraudulent speculative claims about the victim. With the modern advances in technology and computers, it is now possible that the perpetrators can't even generate up a false altered fabricated video or even a technologically generated video that looks frame by frame, exactly like the victim which can make the victim appear to be doing anything, which could potentially be utilized by the perpetrators to fool others into believing the victim has been involved in something legal or done something that they honestly did not do. Even consumer-level computer software available to the public such as Adobe After Effects and other software is capable of superimposing or placing someone's entire figure slash body into moving motion scenery or background. The higher advanced up-end technologies can generate a complete visual video clone of an individual which only a trained video analysis professional would be able to differentiate the real from the fake. Focus investigation. During these bogus investigations, bribery is sometimes utilized by the perpetrators in return for others doing favors for them. For example, the perpetrators may manipulate others by criminally bribing them to engage in a particular activity towards the targeted victim and offering them free house repairs, free gas, or even a new vehicle in exchange for doing a particular action towards the victim. The unwitting person being bribed may or may not even be aware that they are being asked to engage in criminal harassment activity towards another person and usually only be focused on profit. Extortion, extortion, which is not limited to the taking of property, involves the verbal or written installation of fear that something will happen to the victim if they do not comply with the extortionist's will. 
Extortion can take place over the telephone, email, text, email, or other computer or wireless communication. Extortion is a felony in all states. Neither extortion nor blackmail requires a threat of a criminal act, such as violence, merely a threat used to illicit actions, money, or property from the object of the extortion. Such threats include the filing of reports, true or not, of criminal behavior to the police, revelation of damaging facts, such as pictures of the object of the extortion in a compromising position, etc. In the United States, extortion may also be committed as a federal crime across a computer system, phone, by mail or in using any instrument of interstate commerce. Extortion requires that the individual send the message willingly and knowingly as elements of the crime. The message only has to be sent, but does not have to reach the intended recipient to commit the crime of extortion. During these bogus investigations as part of the criminal scheme, the perpetrators may try to illegally order and extort you to submit to an illegal gag order or sign a fraudulent non-disclosure agreement stating that if you speak of the bogus investigation, you may be fined or jailed. In extreme cases, the perpetrators may even falsely state that it is a matter of national security which is an online that has been deliberately abused and deployed by criminal elements of government as ruse and excused for criminal activity. Regardless of what these perpetrators of the bogus investigations may tell you, bogus investigations, illegal coercion and extortion is illegal and criminal, and the perpetrators are certainly of no authority to make you or anyone do anything or act against your own wishes and they can be held legally liable and criminally charged with extortion, fined, and imprisoned. Bogus investigations. The following audio was taken from a video titled, Listen to a Stranger, which was a public social experiment that demonstrates the power of persuasion and how pathetically easily individuals can be manipulated into going along with the stranger's script and requests. Excuse me, sir. Step over here and ask you a question if you can help me. The setting, a farmer's market in Columbus, New Jersey. Inside, a woman shopping for produce with her baby. She's under surveillance by this man. He stays outside, hoping the woman won't spot him. He solicits help from random shoppers. Ma'am, excuse me. I'm a recovery agent. He tells them he's a recovery agent, a yeah. fancy term for bounty hunter. And he needs help capturing the Mission. woman inside. Mission, Mission picture. Hold on. I'm trying to ID somebody inside there in a blue jacket. You see the woman I'm talking about? And shoppers seem to want to uh -huh. help. Yeah. Have you ever used handcuffs? No. Yeah. I'd sooner grab her and put her down. The bounty hunter needs positive ID and asks a shopper to take the wallet from the woman inside. If she walks away from that carriage and you see the wallet, just pick it up and walk it out okay. to me, okay? You're a cop, so I'm not going to get in trouble? Let me shut over here. Okay. All right. This is what our bounty hunter flashes, a badge we bought online, no questions asked, and it offers no legal authority. The bounty hunter, his name is George, and he agreed to ask people to do things he normally wouldn't. The woman inside, she's Tracy, an actress playing the role of a mother who may have kidnapped her baby from the father. Will the shopper follow the command of an authority figure and actually take Tracy's wallet? She goes inside the fruit stand, and when Tracy turns her back, she swipes her wallet and brings it back to the man with the badge. Now, why in the world would anyone follow the orders of a stranger? I said, I'll take her down. I'll just, I'll just go down. <laughs> What's the lesson? Did you learn something here? Yeah. The bear lesson is, um, show me a badge that you can, anybody can buy. And almost anybody can be duped. 
The idea for testing the power of an authority figure came from a shocking true story. An assistant manager at a McDonald's received a call from a man claiming to be a police officer. He told the manager to strip search a young employee who he said had stolen a purse. The manager never questioned the man's identity and blindly obeyed. And it didn't stop there. The caller told another person at the restaurant to make the naked employee do jumping jacks. She was spanked and told to perform sexual acts. Turns out the call was a vicious hoax, a horrid example of failing to question authority. Back in New Jersey, would shoppers question our authority figure? No, excuse me. Can I talk to you for a minute? I'm working a fugitive job right here. He's about to ask this woman to draw sure. and sedate our fugitive. What I'm going to ask you to do is just put this in there, and what I'm going to try to do is switch the soda on her. This will slow her down a little bit more. But, well, basically, it slows her down. If she gets up, would you be comfortable just dropping this in there? It's outrageous. Will June perform this illegal act? When our actress turns her back, she sneaks in and drops the pill right into Tracy's soda. You actually put the pill in? Yes, I did. He, he showed me a federal agent badge. So, you know, what am I supposed to think? If I don't, then then what? But you, you didn't know this for sure. No, I didn't. What if you harmed this poor woman? Then I guess that would be on my head, too. <laughs> Luckily for Jews, conscience and our actress, the Mickey was just some candy we bought a few minutes earlier. How likely is it for us to listen to someone simply because they seem authoritative? Yeah, I guess I'm a sucker. <laughs> But also sucked into our plot is this next woman, Crystal. Somebody kidnapped a child right inside this office right here. I want you to go in just real quick and idea for me. A little talk about the baby being kidnapped, and then George asks Crystal to do a little kidnapping herself. Our baby isn't real, but Crystal doesn't know that. Okay, what you're going to do is walk back inside the produce area, push the carriage straight to me. Okay. Okay? Without ever questioning our authority figure, Crystal heads inside to look for the baby. She locates the stroller, waits for an opportunity, and then she pushes it right out to George, who's waiting in the parking lot. We were stunned. Walk fast, walk fast. Man, what are you doing? Walk fast, walk Excuse fast, me? walk fast. Don't turn around, don't turn around. Excuse me, what are you doing? That's my baby. Why did you take my baby? Who is that? He's a police officer. He showed me his badge. Do you know for sure he's a police officer? Only now does Crystal realize she might have been due, becoming perhaps an accomplice to a kidnapping. You have no right to take my baby. Crystal defends her actions. Her thoughts, she says, were with the baby. My sister has an infant, um, and I think it was just something that was really close to my heart, you know, and I was about how bad I would have felt if someone had taken my sister's baby. Experts say empathy often determines whether people will act. And that's definitely true with this man. Yeah. Chris Blackman is a father of yeah. a six-month-old. We had him out yesterday. He's got a little sniffly. Yeah, that's what he has, too. And he's drawn to our actress before our body hunter even approaches him because she appears to be a new parent, too. What, what, what day was he born? Uh, <laughs> We didn't think there was any way Chris could be recruited to help our bounty hunter. He and Tracy, after all, were bonding so well. 
But watch what happens next. Excuse me, sir. Can I talk to you? Uh, I'm a recovery agent. I saw you talking to that girl here with the blue jacket on. Yeah. I know she got real friendly. Right. She's wanted for kidnapping. She didn't know the days at birth either. She's got a warrant for her arrest. Chris is torn. Does he believe the friendly mother of a baby or a man who claims he's a bounty hunter? Do you have a police officer? I don't yet. They're coming down. I need right. that first. Okay. Well, I, I, I don't do anything. That... I need a police officer that's going to confirm what you're telling me. Of the 22 shoppers we confronted, Chris is the only one who really questions our authority figure. Well, I don't have a police officer here now. This is making me a little nervous. Okay. I want to help you out. Okay, well, I don't wanna, I'm not asking you to do anything with the baby. Chris is conflicted and ultimately compromises. He refuses to take the baby, but he agrees to block Tracy while George pushes the stroller away. If she comes, just don't let her come towards me. I know, that's okay. If she comes, just don't come towards me. Where's my baby? What? Can I ask you a question? No, 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 why? No. Where'd he go? Why did you do that? Sir, it's okay. This is not real. It's a TV show. I didn't mean to shake you up that way. Well, it's, it's part of a show called What Would You Do? And the question is, you're torn. I'm so sorry. Trying to protect the baby. Anyone can get a badge, right? Exactly. You see how many false, how many false IDs there could be, fake IDs. Focus investigation. Report from the targeted victim of the covert illegal bogus investigation. I've been placed on a watch list. This means that I'm under constant illegal surveillance by your everyday manipulated people, citizen informants. Citizen informants are not a new phenomenon, but the organized stalking era defines them a slightly different way. Usually law enforcers, agents, and etc. have people they go to for information. Slang word for these people are snitches. These snitches or citizen informants are their eyes and ears. On a watch list here are a target for what may be an illegal covert investigation. In my particular case I have heard some comments that people are being told that I'm dangerous and a harm to others. This is a lie. And this may be their justification for what they are trying to do. You are being told what you need to, much like in classic interrogations, where the interrogator tells any lie they can to get your cooperation. This is no different. In fact, there is a name for this technique used by law enforcement, and it plainly states that interrogators will tell you anything to get your cooperation. Legitimate investigations are necessary, and I would not want anyone who can harm me around myself or my children. But years have passed, and they are still at it. What gives? The information they've gotten they used to harass me. Or let me rephrase that, they utilize you to harass me. And tell you whatever lies necessary to accomplish it. I have been a victim of work mobbing. I have walked into the cafeteria at work, and had a coward say to me, but not at me, she better not start no trouble here, or you shouldn't have went to Florida. After a year or so of this, it gets to be detrimental to my overall well-being. The list of comments and actions go on and on. I have had acquaintances start conversations with me about my personal life that they should not have any know about. No thanks to the handy investigator and interrogator getting and giving information about me. Sometimes humiliating. P. 
People have been told that I'm a prostitute, drug dealer, a thief, a terrorist stripper. I have even had friends put their purses around me to see if I would steal it. Also, the ridiculous one that I have lost my memory, false dementia. My memory is perfectly intact and has always been. I had a nice interrogation style conversation with the girl I was friends with for more than half my life about a matter concerning custody of my children. No doubt she has been talked to. Change cities and move, I have they came with me. Change jobs. I did and they went with me. I went out with a friend that had been very dear to me since about seventh grade and there we had a conversation about NX. No doubt he was sending of this particular situation. If you read this, you know who you are, and that is why you did not return my calls. I hope whatever you got from this was worth losing my friendship. The point of me saying this all is, I want you to know that what they are doing is wrong, and they are lying to you about me, and you are the ones who are doing their criminal dirty work for them. If it was not dirty work, and I was really suspected of any of these things, they would have brought me in to be interrogated, and not be using you to do. Because they will not do this, something in the process is unfavorable, illegal, false, or someone is undercover. Angela, L. Beware of this criminal bogus investigation tactic and manipulation. A word of wise to those of you who ignorantly or willfully partake in this bogus fraudulent investigation. In reality, you are engaging in the criminal harassment, emotional distress, a criminal conspiracy and domestic terrorism of and against another individual, and you are liable to be sued and criminally prosecuted under 18 U.S.C. 241, conspiracy against rights and multiple other laws for your compliance and cooperation. This audio information and public service announcements was authored and presented to the public by OSI, Organized Stalking Informers, bringing awareness and exposure to the crime syndicate known as organized stalking and technological harassment. My name is Sam I am the author of Malignance of Love, Narcissism Revisited. Repeated abuse has long-lasting and pernicious and traumatic effects, such as panic attacks, hypervigilance, sleep disturbances, flashbacks, intrusive memories, suicidal ideation, and psychosomatic symptoms. The victims experience shame, depression, anxiety, embarrassment, guilt, humiliation, abandonment, and an enhanced sense of vulnerability. Complex PTSD, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, has been proposed as a new mental health diagnosis by Dr. Judith Herman of Harvard University to account for the impact of extended period of repeated trauma and abuse. In an article titled, Stalking, an Overview of the Problem, published in the Canadian Journal of Psychiatry in 1998, the authors Karen Abrams and Gail Robinson wrote, Initially, there is often much denial by the victim. Over time, however, the stress begins to erode the victim's life and psychological brutalization results. Sometimes the victim develops an almost fatal resolve that inevitably, one day, she will be murdered. Victims, unable to live a normal life, describe feeling stripped of self-worth and dignity. 
personal control and resources, psychosocial development, social support, premorbid personality traits, and the severity of the stress may all influence how the victim experiences and responds to it. Victims stalked by ex-lovers may experience additional guilt and lowered self-esteem for perceived poor judgment in their relationship choices. Many victims become isolated and deprived of support when employers or friends withdraw after also being subjected to harassment or when they are cut off by the victim in order to protect them. Other tangible consequences include financial losses from quitting jobs, moving and buying expensive security equipment in an attempt to gain privacy. Changing homes and jobs results in both material losses and a loss of self-respect. Surprisingly, verbal, psychological and emotional abuse have the same effects as the physical variety, at least according to Psychology Today, the September-October 2000 issue. Abuse of all kinds also interferes with the victim's ability to work. Abrams and Robinson wrote in an article titled Occupational Effects of Stalking, published again in the Canadian Journal of Psychiatry in 2002. Being stalked by a former partner may affect a victim's ability to work in three ways. First, the stalking behaviors often interfere directly with the ability to get to work. For instance, flattening tires or other methods of preventing leaving home. Second, the workplace may become an unsafe location if the offender decides to appear there. Third, the mental health effects of such trauma may result in forgetfulness, fatigue, lowered concentration, and disorganizations. Organization. These factors may lead to the loss of employment with accompanying loss of income, security, and status. Still, it is hard to generalize. Victims are not a uniform blot. In some cultures, abuse is commonplace and accepted as a legitimate mode of communication, sign of love even, and caring, and a boost to the abuser's self-image. In such circumstances, the victim is likely to adopt the norms of her society and thus avoid serious trauma. Deliberate, cold-blooded, and premeditated torture has worse and longer-lasting effects then abuse meted out by the abuser in a fit of rage and loss of self-control. The existence of a loving and accepting social support network is another mitigating factor. Finally, the ability to express negative emotions safely and to cope with them constructively is crucial to healing. Typically, by the time the abuse reaches critical and all-pervasive proportions, the abuser had already spider-like isolated his victim from family, friends, and colleagues. She is catapulted into a netherland, kind of a cult-like setting, where reality itself dissolves into a continuing nightmare. When she emerges on the other end of this wormhole, the abused woman, or more rarely men, feels helpless, self-doubting, worthless, stupid, and a guilty failure for having botched her relationship and abandoned her family or friends. In an effort to regain perspective and avoid embarrassment, the victim denies the abuse and minimizes it. No wonder if survivors of abuse tend to be clinically depressed, neglect their health and personal appearance and even personal hygiene, and succumb to boredom, rage, impatience. 
many end up abusing prescription drugs or drinking or otherwise behaving recklessly. Some victims even develop full-fledged post-traumatic stress disorder. Gaslighting is any behavior or imparting of information that has the effect. I'm the author of Malignant Self-Love, Narcissism Revisited. Ambient abuse, also known as gaslighting, is the stealth, subtle, underground current of maltreatment that sometimes goes unnoticed even by the victim herself until it is too late. Ambient abuse penetrates and permeates everything, but it is difficult to pinpoint and identify. Gaslighting is ambiguous, equivocal, atmospheric, diffuse, hence its insidious and pernicious effects. It is by far the most dangerous kind of abuse there is. Ambient abuse or gaslighting, they are the outcomes of fear. Fear of violence, fear of the unknown, fear of the unpredictable, the capricious, the arbitrary, the pending. Ambient abuse is perpetrated by dropping subtle hints, by disorienting, by constant and unnecessary lying, by persistent doubting and demeaning, and by inspiring um, an air of unmitigated gloom and doom. Ambient abuse, therefore, is the fostering, the propagation and the enhancement of an atmosphere of fear, of intimidation, of instability, unpredictability, and irritation. There are no acts of traceable, explicit abuse. There are no visible manipulative settings of control. Yet ambient abuse yields an irksome feeling, a kind of disagreeable foreboding, a premonition, a bad omen. It's in the air. In the long term, such an environment erodes the victim's sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Self-confidence is shaken badly. Often the victim adopts a paranoid, or a schizoid stance, keeps away from society, and thus render, renders herself exposed even more to criticism and judgment. In ambient abuse, the roles are reversed. The victim is considered by everyone to be mentally deranged and unstable, and the abuser is universally acclaimed as the suffering soul and victim. 
There are five categories of ambient abuse, and they are often combined in the conduct of the same abuser. First of all, there is inducing disorientation. The abuser causes the victim to lose faith in her ability to manage and to cope with the world and with its demands. She no longer trusts her own senses. Her skills, she doubts her skills, she doubts her strengths, she doubts her family, doubts her friends. She doubts fundamentally the predictability and benevolence of her environment. The abuser subverts the target's focus by disagreeing with her way of perceiving the world, by arguing with her judgment, by disputing the facts of her existence, by criticizing her incessantly, and by offering plausible, but specious, wrong, fallacious alternatives. The abuser constantly lies, and by constantly lying, he blurs the line between reality and nightmare. By recurrently disapproving of her choices and actions, the abuser shreds the victim's self-confidence and shatters her self-esteem. By reacting disproportionately to the slightest mistake she makes, he intimidates her to the point of paralysis. Second type of gaslighting is incapacitating. The abuser gradually and surreptitiously takes over functions and chores previously adequately and skillfully performed by the victim. The victim finds herself isolated from the outer world, a hostage to the goodwill, or more often the ill will, of the abuser, of her captor. She is crippled by his encroachment and by the inexorable dissolution of her boundaries, and she ends up totally dependent on her tormentor's whims and desires, plans and stratagems. She needs his permission to go out to the world and to interact with anyone. Moreover, the abuser engineers impossible, dangerous, and unpredictable situations that are unpredictable.